Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk and we are back. Two and a half months without racing, it's back again on Monday at Newcastle. And well, we've not quite had the Lincoln or the Lockings or Fat Seasons a little bit later than we thought it would be. But we've managed to get around to our season preview. The classics are retained. A lot of the group races are retained. And I am buzzing. As per usual, I'm joined by the big man, Jim Watson. Hello. And uh, Liam Dye from our friends at Rating the Races. Hi there. Good to have you both with us. Uh, Last, since last time you've seen us, I think it's worth mentioning as well that uh, Jim had the fire brigade round his house, uh, <laughs> and he, he tells me he tells me it was because they were what burning wood in the garden. Yeah, a small fire. See, I don't believe that. I don't buy that. What I think Watson were doing was he'd gone into his garden and he'd picked bags of twenty pound notes and he'd just set them all on fire. Because he was getting withdrawal symptoms from not backing Schefter's elbow for a couple of months. <laughs> he wanted to get that lovely warm buzz of I seeing all his money go up in flames. So hopefully we'll be able to get him to regain that over the course of the flat season. Uh, we'll also be hearing from a couple of our friends uh, from the, of the podcast who've helped us out to put together a list of horses to follow for the new season. So keep your ears out. Keep your ears out. Listen out for them. Uh, they'll be coming in during the podcast. Uh, first of all, though, boys, before we can get on to talking about the, hopefully the months we've racing we've got coming up, we've had two and a half months without it. How do you feel they've gone, James? Yeah, I think uh, the BHA so far have done a very good job. Uh, it's still not over, though, what they've got to do. They've The only thing I think they've lacked on is communication. They've probably not been as vocal to trainers, owners and staff as they would like to, but the plans that they've put in place and they've implemented, they all seem to make sense. There's question marks possibly about Royal Ascot being so soon. Could they have moved that? But I think, barring that, they've done a very good job according to the circumstances. You, you can't really say that they have done a good or a bad job so far but in my opinion, at this current moment, I think they have. Um, so I've, I've been impressed with how they've reacted to a panic situation. And I'm really looking forward to getting things going on. All things going well. Yeah, how, how do you feel the BHA have done with, with retaining as much as a fixture list as they have done, Liam, and, and the way they've communicated this over the past couple of months? I think it's obviously been um, very difficult it's something that was that came across us all for all different um works of life and uh we didn't really know what to do in anything um you know it's it's a completely new situation for everyone um i think they've done as good a job as they can with because we we don't really know what they've had to go through what they've had to set up i know we see what they're we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this we don't know what they're being told by for example the government you must do this and and it's tricky to moan about them and say they've done a bad job um because we don't know all the hoops they've had to try and jump through um in terms of the races you know they've they've tried to keep a lot of the big races which will hopefully get a lot of interest back into racing as soon as it starts you know there's uh, is it not this friday but um 
the first Friday after racing starts, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's loads of racing, loads of it's on TV, um, like terrestrial TV. So people are going to hopefully get back into it quite quickly and it, it's going to hit us with a with a bit of a bang. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, I think everyone has, whilst the communication has not been great in some um, aspects, what do you communicate? Because we don't really know the answer that that would have been them. They don't really know what they're, they're doing anyway, because it's all new. It's not, they don't know because they're, they haven't sorted things out. It's because they are not sure themselves. And instead of giving false information, try and hold on, hold on, hold on, wait until they know exactly what they want to do and what they want to say. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be great to have it back. Um, I myself am on a, I have a kidney condition, which means I'm on a shielding. So I've been inside since the middle of March. So to have some sport coming back is is absolutely fantastic. Um, just so I can do something. Not that I haven't been doing anything, but yeah, just just to get back into racing will be will be fantastic, to be honest. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big boost to everyone. I I I kind of agree with that I feel, I feel like the BHA they've they've had really over these last few months a hell of a lot of plates to spin, and a hell of a lot of interlinking parts to try and try and make sure they all still work together as best they can and I think they've come out with it really having not smashed very many plates if any at all if I'm honest I think overall it's been a it's been a pretty good job where we're getting straight back in there we've got a group three on the third day of racing a group one on the fifth day of racing uh, it seems mad that it's only a week away until a classic you know mm. going from nothing to the very best straight away, but I can't wait, and I I, I wouldn't be overly critical at all of anyone uh, of of anything the BHA have done over the past the past couple of months. It's as unprecedented for them as it is for month, and I think on the general basis of it, they've not managed it too badly at all. Uh, before we get in though to talking about the horses we're looking forward to seeing next season. We've got Cheveley Park Studs, Ed Priest, racing blogger Charlie Wilton and SAS trader Owen Johnson, who are going to bring us the first three from the Turf Talk 12 to follow. Hi, everyone. First of all, thanks a lot, Lewis and James, for asking me to be involved in this. I really appreciate it. The horse I'm going to put up is one that I'll admit is close to my heart and there is some sentimental value in there. But hear me out because I think there's a case to be made. The horse is positive, and I think he's been slightly forgotten about due to his performance in the Dewhurst, where he just didn't act in the soft ground. To my eye, he never looked happy, balanced or organised, and was given a kind ride to finish sixth in the end. His form from earlier in the season on good or quicker ground has been boosted a fair bit, with Pinatubo being the only horse to beat him in the vintage stakes at Goodwood, and he obviously swept all before him in a stunning two-year-old season. Also in behind that day was Lopi Fernandez, who ended the season a Group 3 winner. Positive then beat Camico in the Solario Stakes in determined fashion, and we know he went on to win the old Racing Post Trophy two starts later. With others from these races running to good levels afterwards, I think there's some pretty solid form lines to go off. He was always a big horse, so you'd expect to get better as he matured and strengthened, so to have achieved what he did at two is pretty encouraging for the year ahead. With some good summer ground to run on this season, I hope he can return back to his earlier two-year-old form and be competing in all the top races up to a mile, with the first port of call being the Guineas. 
fingers crossed and good luck everyone hello cheers for having us on lads it's a pleasure to be here um my host follow this flat season is golden horde for clive cox he's a beautiful three-year-old chestnut by lethal force out of a pivotal mare and i reckon his form is probably some of the best we saw from all the two rules last season um he was fifth in the Coventry at royal ascot but really only two lengths behind arizona and looking at the size difference between them two at that stage of the season it's quite impressive what he did next up he went and won the richmond stakes against threat at goodwood uh, and then to cap off his season finished in two group ones uh, third and second behind Earthlight each time over pretty awful ground at Deauville in the pre-morning he finished third which was two and three quarter lengths behind Earthlight but then on better ground in the middle park stakes running within a neck finishing like an absolute barrel so this season he's definitely one to keep on your radars for all the big group ones and like the six six furlong events for three rules so Commonwealth Cup if he gets his ground at Ascot I reckon he's definitely got a chance there for my money, I'd take more Pierre Lapban every day. Sorry, Watson, I know that's going to piss you off. Um, but good ground July Cup. He knows the track, he'll handle it, and his pedigree as well. You know, pivotal, damn sire of Advertise, who came second last season, uh, and also his sire, Lethal Force, won the July Cup as a four-year-old. So he's definitely got a group one in him. And he's wanting to keep on your radars, getting your ADR trackers, getting your sword horses a lot, because he's going to be something special this season. Hi there, my name's Owen Johnson, and my flat horse to follow for this season is a Kingman cult called Tempest. He's a half-brother to the also Roger Charlton-trained Time Test, and indeed Time Chaser, who is, of course, his half-sister. Both of them have won for the stable, and Time Test, of course, was devastating at Royal Ascot a few years ago when hacking up in the Turf Centenary. This horse is still lightly raced. He's only had four runs, and he's only won a couple of those, but he still seems a horse on the up. Now, apparently, he's had a few issues with his feet, and he was even in the horses in training sale last year, but it looks like the um, Judmont team pulled him out of that and have come to the conclusion he's worth keeping in training. So I think if he possibly may need a bit more cut in the ground, so I think they'll be praying for rain, but he's, I think, will pay his way in 2020. So Tempus is the one for me. Well, I guess the horse everyone is most looking forward to seeing back out this season is Pinatubo, and he heads a bet in for the first classic of the year, the Guineas, next weekend. At a general shade of odds on 10 to 11, 5 to 6, Arizona is 6s, Camico 10s, Kin Ross is 11s, 14s for Fret, General 16s, Wichita and Military March, then bigger prices for the likes of Siskin, Al Sahail and Royal Dornock. If you want to go in with Ed on positive, he's a general 33 to 1 shot. Uh, Liam, I'll come to you first here with Pinatubo. Is it just a matter of he replicates what he does last year, he wins? If he replicates what he did, does, did last year, um, yeah, I think he does win. He's he's He was so far in front, in my opinion, of the others last season. I think the closest they got to him was in the Dewhurst, but he was out in the middle of the track. I think um, it was Arizona and Wichita down the inside. Um they got perfect, um, perfect run through the race. Pinatubo didn't. He still managed to pick them both up and win. Yeah, if he if if he's trained on, that's obviously the big question. Um, he, um, he should he should take all the beating. He's the obvious one. We could talk about this guineas for 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever, and Pinatubo could just win it comfortably. Um, and 
you know we'd have kind of wasted our time but it's all about if he hasn't quite trained on or if there is something that doesn't quite go right who's the one that who's the couple that could be the dangers to him but if he has he wins it Yeah, it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion, isn't it? Because I, I wouldn't even word it as if really in terms of training on, in terms of if he's just at the same level. You know, I'd, as long as he's not regressed, he should win. Jim, do you think he's a good price at a shade of odds on? Oh, not at all. Um, not at I, all. No. Um... I personally think with Penatuba, and I respect him for as much as what he did last season, but I fell into this trap with too darn hot as a two-year-old, and I'm not wanting to fall into it again. The law of him being as good as rated two-year-old as Frankel and all this palaver, and the fact that, yes, he won six of his six races, and arguably the victory in the national stakes was the most devastating performance from two-year-old we've seen for a while. But I, I, do, I do have question marks about his size and go, going on as a two-year-old, because two down hot was similar to him. He wasn't a big two-year-old, uh, and he never didn't really grow that much into his three-year-old career. Now, all these quotes saying that Charlie Appleby saying Pinatuba looks superb, looks amazing, they're not going to come out and say he looks like a three who should be running on Blackpool Beach, are they? It's, so, I'm, I'm, at this moment in time, I'm wanting to, first time out, seasonal reappearance, I'm looking to take Pinatubo on fairly early on, especially at that shorter price, in my opinion. I don't, I don't buy into the fact that he's a small horse as much as other people do, because I, I, I feel like a lot of people say, you know, the extra few months will play against him. Which, in theory, they should do. But I, I think the same things are getting said about him if this race is in May. The same things, if I was a smaller horse, he won't have trained on as much as, you know, Arizona or Wichita, who look a bit like, you know, look like big units. I think these same criticisms are going to exist in May or not. And that's why I think, because he was so superior to the rest of these, that I take the opposite view to you, Jim. I still think a shade of odds on is a good price on what his two-year-old form is. You know... None of these could lay a glove on him last season. None of these could lay a glove on him. And really, what 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 you're what you're bas- what you're having to try and buy into there is the fact that Pinatubo Pinatubo's size will mean that the the absolute level of ability shown last uh, last season isn't going to be taken over. You know, is is going to be taken over by the likes of you know. Arizona or one of the or one of the others and whilst whilst I I understand that there might not be as much scope for improvement in Pinatubo than there would be for some of the others and that he's probably already at the top of the curve already whereas some of the others as a two-year-old you know might have only been 75% of the way up there mate they're going to have to have improved a hell of a lot to get anywhere near him, and and I I feel like a lot of the criticisms that Arizona face, uh, sorry that Pinatubo's faced, and a lot of the things that are going to be used to knock him and try and take him on with, 
are things that would have been said if he'd have been, you know, if he'd have been winning by 20 lengths every time last year. He is physically quite a small horse. He was quite forward last season. But the, you know, the Guineas is this Saturday. You know, it's it's not like we're looking six months down the line. I think he's a cracking price. I really do. Bear in mind he went off three to one onto in the Dewhurst, where he beat Arizona. You know, he's he's ten to eleven to beat a horse who is three to one on to beat last last time they met. Yeah. What do you oh, think about that, I, Jim? I couldn't. I couldn't. It, there's always an if in racing, and in my and a rule I learned fairly early on was if a trainer and an owner runs against the same horse that has been beaten by it before, that means this time it probably thinks they've got a better chance of beating it. And I think I think I'm I'm not. Jim, it's a classic. It's a classic. Aidan O'Brien is not going to not run a horse in the Guineas because Pinatubo's there. Yeah, but... You, you know, you, you can't apply to that to, to a situation like a Guinness. But they've got... Jim, it's Bally Doyle. I, I know, but they've got other horses that won't have faced Pinatubu before to Who? Run, run against him. Well, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But, exactly. Uh, exactly. Arizona and Mitchator have run against him. Armory, the keeping in Ireland... Royal Liven has he run against him? Oh, Royal Liven, mate. Come on. Come on, cop on to yourself. Liam, talk some sense into him, please, mate. Um, uh, I think Aidan O'Brien's almost exhausted all of his options against Pinatubo already. And uh, I just think he's going to go, well, just in case Pinatubo doesn't fire, let's send probably our best one to the 2000 Guineas in Arizona. We'll keep... Because even running in the Irish 2000, they're going to have Siskin probably against them. So we've got to face... Who, who who can we put in each race to give us the, the best possible chance of winning? Probably Arizona is, is the one against Pinatubo. Um, something I quite like in, in Guinea's form is, is horses that have won multiple races as a two-year-old. You get, you get horses turn up to the Guineas that have won one, maybe won two races. Three is uh, achievable. Four plus is quite good. And there's some of the winners that have, won four plus races in the past include Churchill who went on to win the Guineas Glen Eagles I know he got disqualified in one went on to win the Guineas Dawn Approach obviously in the Godolphin Colours um, won a Guineas so horses that have had all that experience they just can they've it's I think almost they've beat they've done exactly what Pinatubo have done they faced all the potential rivals they beat them all they turn up again we'll beat them again um I, I want to see Pinatubo win, not because I've backed him, but because uh, I want him to be a I want him to be a superstar and I want him to be a uh, almost like a talking horse for the season. You know, something to get a lot of outsiders that aren't really interested into racing into Pinatubo and into racing because if he gets beat, who's the big name that everyone's wow he could be could be the next Frankel. Notice the word could there, you know, that's a it's a long way off yet. But I'd love him to be the next one. I, I think at the same stage of the careers, and I got into a few arguments on Twitter for this last season, but I, I will happily back up that I think Pinatubo's two-year-old season was superior to Frankel's. And obviously Frankel improved no end from 
three to, from you know from two to three and then from three to four again. But at the same stage of their careers, I'd be more confident about Pinatubo than I would be Frankel going into the Guinea's gym. Yeah, I can I can perfectly understand reasons why that people are so hot on Pinatubo, but I, I'm I'm looking to take him on purely on the price with one horse that I was a massive fan of on his debut last season, and it was Kin Ross. Um, Liam, you've just mentioned you've absolutely put a dagger through my heart there by saying that uh, horses that tend to win four plus races go on to win the guineas and Kim Ross has won one race and finished fifth in the uh, Virgin Fortuity so I, I feel I, I, I was very very impressed with his debut and I've not seen a two year old sprint away from a decent enough field he won by eight lengths and, uh, in the end on that day um, and then He's just, I feel like things just didn't go his way. Um, maybe they rushed him a bit going to the Virton Futurity. They were so impressed with him on debut and, and they rushed him and they got switched, switched around and put on the all-weather. Uh, he just got caught in a pocket when he was going to make a move late on. He, he ran on well enough in the end. I, I don't think that was his true running, but maybe, in a, maybe if that was on turf, it could have been a different outcome. Um, I feel like he's a horse who could progress into his frame. He, he was quite a, a, a biggish framed horse, and, and if he's grown anything into that, um, I, th- I think he could be dangerous. Uh, he's about roughly around tens, twelve to one at this moment in time. There's a fourteen in places. I'm on it slightly bigger, uh, but I feel like well-bred, unexposed. I, f- I, f- I feel like he's going to have to be an unexposed one to beat Pinatubu this season. You said then that you felt Kinross ran on well in the um, Vertem Futurity. Mm-hmm. Did he? See, he got stopped at his, his certain uh, behind, I think it was, well, it, you could say he possibly didn't get, didn't have the speed to go past Year of the Tiger or Mogul at a certain point. Mm. But I, I, I feel like if he had a straighter run, then maybe he would have run on slightly stronger. He, he did. I I think he was just saving enough for himself. I think Harry Bentley knew he was a young horse and will just look after him slightly on the way home rather than throwing him all at this all-weather group one. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of really in there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether I think, whether I think Kane Ross is quick enough. For, for a Guinness he, don't get me wrong he, he was very very impressive on his debut J- just he he didn't pick up as he'd have liked really in the in the Vertem Futurity and his your pedigree I know he's a kingman but he's damn like I said well bred he's Kaylee House who who was a proper middle distance filler uh, just not sure the raw speed of a horse like Pinatubo and whether whether that'd be that'd be in Kin Ross's scope, really, to be able to cope with that over a mile. Liam, if, if you were to take Pinatubo on, would it be with Arizona, the second favourite? Quite a clear second favourite now in the betting as well. No. I, I can't see why Arizona can beat Pinatubo. The, the horse that I quite was a big fan of last season, and he eventually put it all together in the Vertem Futurity Stakes, was Cameco. 
my concern about him is going back to the turf. His legs on the turf were all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> they were all over the place. He didn't he didn't know how to put one foot in, or one hoof in front of the other. Onto the all weather, he his legs were much straighter. They they you know I could see from quite an early stage actually he's running forward here rather than side to side and back to front. Um, if he he's one that could potentially have progressed over the the winter. He's the one I want to see continue progressing and hopefully um, maybe get Punatubo out of out of second gear. But is he even is he even good enough to get Pinatubo out of second gear? I don't know. I think I just want to I want to see Pinatubo win it by five lengths comfortably and people are going, wow, okay, he's he's class. Let's look forward to his next race. Um, but yeah, Kamako is the one I, I I think has the most potential in him. Do you think he's the team. right price, Liam? Do you think eight to one's too short? In it's tense. Um, I do think it's a bit short, purely on that he's won an all weather race. I know it was a Group One on the all weather, but it was an all weather race, and and especially for him. If it had been other horses that had looked like they were coping fine with the turf and and the, who's going in the right place, then eight to one may have been yeah that's a fair price. But he really needs to show that he can convert it back to the turf. He's got some decent form on the turf, but it was just his legs were all over the place and that was a like, oh my god, what on earth is happening here to this horse? Mm. Um, so yeah, he, he, I'd want a bit of a bigger price. I'm probably not going to get involved in the the two thousand at all just watch it um especially being so early on in the season i know you would expect a lot of the trainers to have all of these ready being that it's a classic but if if any you know there's there was a week or whatever that they weren't able to work because of the um covid19 it could really affect one or, or two of these um so yeah that's i, I probably won't be getting involved just hoping that it's a, a good race. And as well, we've heard Ed talk as one of his horses to follow up a positive. Uh, positive beat Kamiko uh, in the Solario. Uh, I was impressed with his performance and, and the ground, as he's already mentioned, sort of just went against him in the Dewurst. And, and I, I think positive's a horse not to underestimate in this market. He He's a very, very good price, I think. He's 33s across the board. And I wouldn't rule him out. I think Clive Cox, Cox will have a good season this season. Yeah, he is. He's he's he's, he's priced thirty on the back of his Dewhurst run, isn't he? And if yeah. if, if you're willing to forgive that, it's it, it's a tidy enough price. If I was to go against Pinatubo, I I think the one I'd find I I'd say slightly overpriced, especially from a potential each way perspective, is Military March who, like Kamiko, is shorter for the derby. Military matches generally giant fav with Pinatubo for the derby, which we'll come on to. Kamiko's a general, generally nines, similar enough price to what he is to the Guineas. Uh, but with military match, look, it's, it's, it's obviously looks like a proper middle distance horse. It looks like a middle distance horse, but it was really impressive when he won the Autumn Stakes. It was a, it was a decent race, Ropey guest is a, a very much a benchmark of you know horses knocking around uh, group races, two-year-old two group races last season, 
absolutely bullied him. Malafem, who was probably shown better form, to be fair, than Rope, I guess, before that. He, he, he himself won a... Uh, one at the St. Ledger meeting where he beat Wichita, who's, you know, also in the betting for the for the Guineas, and he's another nice type for Aidan O'Brien. Again, I'd probably say Wichita, I'd expect to be seeing maybe over ten or twelve furlongs in time. But I just I just feel like with military match, this probably isn't going to be the uh, the be all and end all for him. But it's sort of profile where I can see him running into a second or a third and then going off a short price fab for the derby and I, I do think he's really good at, you know even though a lot of people you know and to be fair and I expect him to be better over middle distances his two runs over a mile so far have shown him in really really good stead he won his maiden on good ground so it shouldn't be an issue uh, the quicker ground here I know his, his group three win came on soft but I think he'd be one to bear in mind at 16s. I'd definitely be keener on him than I would be on the likes of Keen Ross, Jim, at Shorter. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the horse called Ropey Guest. You all, I don't know if anyone else notices this, but George Margison always has one in the John Guest racing, a bossy guest, if I go back a couple of years. He always likes to target a horse with a guinea. He always runs really well. And you can probably see, I know he's a maiden that's, Bad Ted I'm not tipping him, but you should You're always. You're not putting bossy guest on ropey guest for the guineas. No, I'm not because I'll stick. I'm sticking with Kim Ross. Oh. However, however, I wouldn't be surprised if he was there or thereabouts because you've seen in recent years that Margison's three-year-old that he's had campaign strongly as a two-year-old and he's normally running there or thereabouts. I don't know if Liam agrees with me. No, absolutely. They 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 always seem to go off fifty to one, sixty six to one, yeah. and and they're always there at the finish. You're like, why is where has that run come from? Yeah, you know, there's, he, there's he, no he, reasoning. No, he must be his his trainer. The trainers must be bleh, the trainer must be brilliant at just getting them spot on for the day. Um, yeah, they do always run well. Um, he he could be a a potential each way shot. Um, just going back to Military March, he's owned by Godolphin as well. That would be a real um, blow to Pinatubo if Military March was to, you know, say they got into a battle and he went past him. That oh would God, be, yeah. you know, uh, I think Saibin Soror could be in a bit of trouble then or, or um, you know, because Pinatubo's Appleby, isn't he? Mm. Yes, he is, yeah. Um, so almost his military march a definite runner purely on his participation could put more doubt in my mind that Pinatubo is as good as we think and hope he is. If he's not, then they might run military march. If he is, then they might go, we don't even need to run military march. We'll wait until the the derby for him. I think he's a, a really good shot for the derby, but um, just, I know they're different trainers and they do sometimes turn up with, a few there. Just do they need to if Pinatubo's that good? Yeah, I agree with you uh, as well. Alsa Hale as well. He's also thought about for this race. Now, I think I've read an interview on Racing TV saying, don't forget about Alsa Hale, Charlie Appleby said. Now, if a trainer's saying that about another horse when you've got the 
potential superstar for next season, I, I pose questions. Mm. But I, 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 no, I, I don't buy into that because they, if if you have other good horses, especially with military march, whereas I see, I see the Guineas for him as a stepping stone, and it's the old cliche of the best trial for the Derby is the Guineas, and military marches form as a two-year-old. Same with Alice Hale, to be fair, because you know they, they both pulled well clear in the autumn stakes. Uh, you'd run them, surely. If 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 they were mine, I'd run them, even though I'd even though I'd see them as longer-term Derby prospects rather than sticking over the mile. But I I wouldn't not be running military match if I was Godolphin with the threat that he might be to beat Pinatubo. And then what happens if he does beat Pinatubo? You've got a Guineas winner who's very very you know, who'd have a right shout of winning a Guineas in a derby, which we've not seen, you know, since who were the last one? Camelot? You know, so it's a, it's a, it wouldn't be something I'd particularly consider, though I do think it's a, it's a very reasonable point, but it wouldn't cloud my judgment on it. Uh, we've not mentioned Fret yet, who's a general 14 to 1. Liam, do you think he'll stay? Uh, my line on on threat is looks like he'll be a sprinter. So, in, in your answer to your question, I could see him doing the likes of um, advertised tried it, stepped up to the Guineas mile, didn't work, back down and trip. He looks like a sprinter. Um, against these, some of these are going to be too strong at the finish for for threat in my opinion. And I think even the 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 trips he'd been running at suggested that. They felt he was more of a sprinter than um, a miler. The fact that they went they went five five uh, five six 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 went up to seven, then dropped him back to six. They you know they very quickly went back to six, thinking no. So yeah, I don't think he's a he's a he'll stay to be honest. Yeah, I I, I will be staggered if he's running in the same James as Palace at Royal Ascot and not the Commonwealth Cup. I will be absolutely staggered if they don't revert back down to, to sprinting could, after after we next could, weekend. We could have, a, like, that Commonwealth Cup could be full of top horses thinking about it because I, I do think there is a question mark about this, the mile in division this season because there's going to be half that are going to stay and half that don't. If you, Even if you chuck, uh, you could chuck threat into there. Last season, we saw Mums Tipple into that Commonwealth Cup. Uh He's looking more of a sprinter. Uh, I'm I've got question marks with Shishkin. I think I think he could possibly be a sprinter. I think they're going the wrong way with him. That that division could be looking really hot at this moment in time. Yeah, it's it's you get that with the Guineas. I don't know how many horses who run in the Guineas stay stay at a mile the rest of the season. You know, a, a, a good a good degree of them go up in trip, and you get. A couple, like Liam mentioned, we've advertised ten sovereigns who go back down. You know, it's it's the nature of being the first classic of the season, and for a lot of them, it sounds mad for a classic, but it is a stepping stone to something else. And it's the first time we see a lot of them run over a mile. And if that doesn't work, obviously you're going to revert to what to what you're good at. Uh, to wrap the guineas up, then boys, uh, I think Pinatubo wins, and I think he's a bet at the prices. Uh, Liam, you think Pinatubo wins, but a watch and watch and enjoy race. 
Yeah, definitely. I think he. I think Pinatuba wins. I want to see Cameco run a good race, um, but I will probably just be watching this race and enjoying it. Racing's back. Group one, classic. Let's let's get going now for the season. Get in. We love that. And Watson, being contrarian as he always is, fancies Kinross. Yeah, take him on. I'll have the field against Pinatubu. That's from a man who has a horse racing podcast and backed one winner, all of Cheltenham. Not even on Vlad Allen because we don't because we just take on whatever we can take on, no, I, even I never, if we lose. I never, t- I never took on Envoy Allen. You back Sporting John? Yeah, but I, I said Envoy Allen will win. I never, I never took him on. I, I didn't have a oh, bet in the excuses, race. Excuses, I'm not, excuses, I'm, excuses. One winner, could, Watson. Could have said I've had two again. winners. Could have said I've had two winners, but I didn't because I. I I didn't feel like saying Envoy Allen. I'm not taking Envoy Allen as a winner. <laughs> he did win, though. Oh, we'll move on. Up, up in trip to the derby, sticking with the same bunch of three-year-old cuts. Before I talk about this, boys, as a general crop, how good do we think these three-year-old cuts are? I've got a feeling that I think this is quite a decent generation. What about you, Liam? Hmm. Um... my my hesitation is because if if pinatubo is a in 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 inverted commas here frankel then the others are very good as well if pinatubo is not then maybe the others aren't that great either i'd just be starting to get worried that if he's the average, if Pinatubo's the average and the others are still that far behind or or maybe they get a bit closer, I'd be worried that they're not quite, um, well, they're not that good really. And that would just, I hope they are good. You know, we it's rubbish when you get a season and you're like, yeah, none of these are that good. Um, especially this season, we want, we want loads of superstars to come back and be racing. Um, yeah, that's just my only concern is Pinatubo is the the current. If he's good, the others are good. If he's average, the others are not even average, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a very, very fair way of looking at things, to be fair. I'd not, I'd not really considered that, to be fair. And, and it's a it's a very, very logical way to see it. Uh, we'll go on to the derby, though. Pinatubo, a military march, General Sevens across the boards as a as a rough average price. Nines, Cameco, Tens, Mogul and Vald Konig. Twenties, Al-Sahail, Al-Aze, Palace Pier, Brentford Hope and Armoury. And you can back highest ground at 25 to 1. Uh, I guess I'll kick off with Pinatubo. Uh, I don't think he'll run in the derby. That that would be my first... Well, I don't think the derby will suit him but I wouldn't be surprised if he ran in it on the basis of past Godolphin behaviour with horses who really, on the track, haven't looked remotely like uh, middle-distance horses. Dawn Approach being the number one that comes to mind. I mean, he ran, you know, he ran in the first two-year-old race of the season 
he wasn't entered for the derby when he was owned by Jim Bolger. He was supplementing a bag of dolphin when they bought him. And never once in his career did he look like a horse who wanted uh, 12 furlongs. And he trailed all in last at a very, very short price. And I'm just worried that if Pinatubo wins the guineas, he goes for the derby no matter what, even if it doesn't particularly look like a race that suits him. Which could, as it did in Dawn Approaches year, make the market a little bit more fun for the rest of us. Uh, I mean, on paper, Pinatubo looks like he'd get middle distances. Um, I think he'd get 10. I think he'd get 10. 12, I'm not sure about. And that's why the complexion of this race at this stage isn't as clear as I'd quite like it to be. But I don't, I wouldn't be with Pinatubo for this, Liam. Can you see why he's top of the market, though? Yeah, you can see why he's, he's favourite for the race. I think Charlie Appleby said yesterday um, that the derby is is not right at the top of their list. Um, they'll look at the derby if Pinatubo doesn't run as well as they think he will in the guineas, as in he clearly needs a step up in trip, or if he gets beat. Um, so I I don't think he'll turn up at all. Um, and I think they've mentioned the St. James, no. James Palace. Yeah. Yeah. As they, yeah. Is it, what what was the trip? Sorry. Marlin two in it. Oh, the mile. No, the Marlin two one, I think they were suggesting. St. James's Palace is Marlin two, I think. No, it's not, Jim. Is it not? There is, uh, there isn't a is it, unless it's one of the new races unless you've introduced a mile and two group one at Royal Ascot. Uh, oh, I'm not sure about that. I'll have to I'll do some research, but uh, I probably need to read the, read his quote better. But yeah, he was basically saying the derby is is only really a, I think if it doesn't work in over the mile in the Guineas or if he doesn't run up to how they believe he should run in the Guineas, you know, only just wins. Um, which, saying that, is quite a confident, you know, we expect him to run very well in the, the Guineas and, and not go for the Derby, which then you have to think, well, why won't they be looking at the Derby? Is there something that they really like for the Derby? And I think we've already mentioned in um, Military March, I think, for the Derby. I know it's not Charlie Appleby's. Um but yeah, I think he's the he's he's the Derby one, and Penatubo can win the Guineas, and then Godolphin can celebrate. I, I agree with you there, Liam. I, I think what's the point of running Penatubo in the Derby when you've got Military March and Elsa Hale, who are more likely to stay, and I've, in my opinion, I think they'd have a better chance of winning the race than Penatubo because I, I think a mile and two will properly properly stretch you. Um, I think I I purely just see him as a miler. Um, but I won't be the first time I'm wrong, and I'm sure it won't be the last. But I, I, I think I think making the market for other horses at this moment in time. Uh, have you had a bet in the race, Liam? I haven't, not yet. Uh, I a couple of weeks ago played highest ground at 33s, 
I, I, I thought that he was a too good a price to sort of add a player with. And I know the question mark, will he run, won't he run? Michael Stout doesn't tend to rush his horses in the three-year-old campaign. He doesn't seem to target them. He only had one run as a two-year-old and he absolutely flopped out the gates, come from come from the back with a furlong to go and he quickened away nicely in the end and it was a taking debut and I, I just feel like I'm willing to take a risk with something in in this race that just a bigger price is completely unexposed there, there was a few in this um, in the derby field who I, I do quite like uh, one of which I'll be talking about later on uh, Starcat also in Another one similar profile to highest ground one run uh, on the all weather and and he won impressively for Huey Morris and I I feel like there's a few uh, in this derby field I'm looking for one that's won impressively on debut and then looking to back it up in a derby trial in a couple of weeks time or in a week time and then kick on from there. Yeah, I'm I'm with you all on that. I think military match is the right favourite for the race. And at this stage, he'd probably be the horse I'd be with. Uh, again, I hope if he, if if he runs in the guineas, it enhances his profile rather than rather than worsens it. If not, though, he does look like a step up in trip. Would you know would be massively suitable for him. He is the right. He should probably be far ahead of Pinatubo on the basis that military match probably definitely ends up here. You know, if if everything goes to plan, as uh, as Liam said with Pinatubo doesn't seem like the plan and even if it was the plan it wouldn't be a plan I'd, I'd be wanting to get it behind you know evidence on the track always trumps evidence on the page really and he, he doesn't shape like a horse who wants this distance uh Liam you, you, you've already spoken about Kamako would you be keener on the derby for him than the guineas keener on the derby than the guineas he he strikes me as a horse that can run well in both, and then it will end up over a mile and two. So yes. Uh, yes. they'll they they you know be finishing strongly in the Guineas. He'll try the Derby. He'll run another good race in the Derby, and then they go right. We need to find the the intermediate ground over one mile two, and then he'll start. I think really showing his his best form. Um. So do would I prefer the Derby or the Guineas for him? I think it would be exactly the same, and I think he'll run a similar race in both. Jim, what are your thoughts on Kamiko, mate? Um, I, I think I'd be more of interest in the Derby than the Guineas. Uh, I think I think I'd, I'd prefer him over a mile and four than over a mile. I think a mile might be a bit quick for him this season. Um, I still think he's, I think he's far too short in both markets um, to even go near him. But yeah, he uh, beat the lad you fancy for the Guineas. He 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 did. Um, however, if he wins, uh, if when Kinross wins the Guineas, uh, that that'll make the uh, Derby Farm look even stronger. <laughs> the shortest priced Aidan O'Brien horse in the market, Jim. I'll throw this back at you. Is Mogul. Uh, what do you make of him? He was another one beaten in the. Verton Futurity, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, he had a big reputation going into his debut performance. Uh, and he, he, he kicked on from then. And 
He won the Champions Juvenile race, Group 2 at Leopardstown, and he won that well. Um, you can, I, I'm genuinely, I'm taking that Virtum Futurity with a pinch of salt. Um, how any Group 1 can be run at all weather is a completely different question. Um, I feel like back on turf, he'll be a different horse. He's, he, he's another horse who's needs to fill his frame this season. If he has, he will look like an absolute bull. Um, I, 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 I don't... It's not that I don't fancy him. Maybe it's because he's not flashy enough for me. Maybe I've been a bit of a sucker this year for the first time out. And although when we talk about the Phillies, you, you'll hear the complete opposite from me. Um, I, I just feel like... There's something flashy in this year's derby that could probably beat him. I already know far too much about him. I mean, on on pedigree, you'd only expect Mogul to be better over this trip and better over better as a three-year-old. You know, half brother to Japan and Secret Gesture, really, really beautifully bred animal. But Liam, do, do you think he's as short? in the betting as he is partly due to his family rather than what he's shown so far? Um, possibly, but I think he's uh, he's not flashy. He, or he wasn't as a, as a two-year-old. He was only ever really doing enough when he was winning. But I think that's, that's that's just him rather than that's his max ability. I think he just is just going to do enough in the races that he he does win. Um, he's definitely more suited to a derby than he was the the trips that he was running over. Mm. Um, uh, I've used the word in one of my write ups about him uh, using the word plodder, but I don't. I think that's a bit harsh. <laughs> he's. You watch some horses and you you. In, Enjoy the way they run, and it looks it looks attractive, and and things like that. He's just going to win races, and you're gonna be like, oh, he's won another race, good for him. And there's no, yeah. it, there's no, um, it doesn't excite me at all watching him. And even when he's been winning, and you're like, oh, okay, he, he's he's clearly clearly has ability, and I think his price. His price isn't isn't bad to be honest. You know, we've got to. If you agree with what I what I'm saying about he's not flashy, he's not he doesn't excite you, but he clearly has ability, and the the trip will will suit him perfectly. Um, yeah, he it, the all weather group one that that definitely wasn't going to be for him. Um, yeah, so I'm not as against him as others at similar sort of price than um, purely on, I think he's better than what people believe. Yeah, I'd rather have Morgul over Kamiko at this moment in time. Really? To to win the derby, definitely. Yeah, to win. To win the derby, yeah. I like Kamiko, I, I said. I think he'll run a good race, but... I can see him finishing third or fourth. Yeah, yeah. Mogul could go and win it. Yeah, especially if Aidan O'Brien sets sets the race up like he has in recent years. He, he sent five. So I think did he have six in it last year? And 
you, you know how they can dictate races. And I didn't mention that in the 2000 guineas. He's going to try everything to stop Pinatubu from winning. Um, Colmar don't want Godolphin winning all these main classics, do they? And uh, I, I feel like the tactics of the race is going to be pacemakers, is going to be this, there's going to be that. And I think he's got a massive uh, say on how the race is going to run and what will go on. I'd agree that I feel like Mogul's been slightly dreaded. He, he he emerged with quite a lot of credit, I felt, from the, from the Verton Futurite in a race that wouldn't particularly have played to his strengths as much as it did to others. And I liked hearing you talk about him, Liam, because I think you could have copied and pasted that into what people were saying about his older brother, Japan, this time last year. And look at how good Japan's come out to be. In fact, Japan's probably proven he's got more facets to his game than a lot of people expected him to have done when he won the Judmont. Because I did not have him down as quick enough to win over 10 at all. So I'm I'm a little bit more confident now behind Mogul than I was. He's He's not my bet at the minute, but he's certainly a little bit closer to the forefront of my mind than he was before. At the same price and at the opposite end of the uh, sexiness scale, we'll call it, Jim, is Vald Konig, younger brother of Vald Geist, bolted up on debut. Yeah, I, watched, I, I think his win uh, came up on my Twitter last night and I watched it for the... I think it was about the fifth time I've watched it. He, he does everything wrong coming around that home bend. He's keen as anything. He swings round for home and then he hangs to the near side. Uh, Rab Avelin's just rowing along with him, not even giving him a crack. He's full of potential that we we don't know about at all. And he fits into that category that I'll probably be looking at. Um, I do think his price is on the short side. Um, but you can understand why he's 12-1, 10-1, because that debut performance was breathtaking. All a bit, I don't think he beat that much in behind. But you, I, and then once again, the question mark of the all-weather form, is that going to be as strong back on the turf and what's he going to run like on there? Uh, be interesting to see the good derby trial with him and see what, what goes on with him. Could have Wolverhampton as producing the Guineas and derby winner this season. Obviously, Pinatubo made his debut there as well. At the price of Liam, though, I think Valdconic's too short, mate. What about you? He, he is too short. Um he was very, very impressive at Wolverhampton. Um, I think it's been mentioned, what did he beat is is questionable, but he still beat them, you know, completely out of sight, and it was very, very impressive. He definitely needs to to show me he needs to run on the turf, and he also needs to run in, in, a, in a proper race um, before I'd even look in at, at backing him, especially at those prices. I know, obviously, if he wins a, a trial, for example, on the turf, he's going to be shorter than that. But then at least you have more of an idea what you're actually putting your money on rather than this is... Uh, I think he's very much unknown still, even though he he's like fourth or fifth favourite for a derby. Um, I want to have some idea what, what I'm backing rather than he could be... A, a derby winner or he could be quite moderate you know a listed class winner actually really that just won a very easy um maiden at Wolverhampton yeah I'd, I'd agree with that completely it's it's he's it's one of them at this point where 
he could be anywhere between a 110 horse and a 135 horse. And at, at, a, at a price of 10 to 1, I'd rather be with something like Military Match, who I think is might not quite be up there, the 135, you know, the raw. The rawness isn't quite there, and he's got a little bit more form in the book. But what he has done is, has been very impressive, and it's been with a hell of a lot more substance than Valdconic. So whilst I acknowledge that Valdconic could be really, really good, like you've said, just the the scope of his ability, it, it could actually be a lot lower than it needs to in the derby. It, he can go out and prove it. He can go out and prove it in the month before the derby. And if he does, he could be a huge player. But at this stage, I'm happy to wait and see rather than back him at 10s. At bigger prices, Jim's put up highest ground. Liam, is there anything you like? At a bigger price, um, I understand the, the highest ground angle. Um, nothing of, of massive price. I think I'd want to... I'd, I'd want to see a few trials before really getting involved in the Derby market. I'd much rather have a confident selection at sixes and eights, having them one rather than an, a bit of an unknown at 25s. Because at least if your six and eights gets you to the race and you're there, um, and I'd just have more confident in that than a 25 to one shot who might not even turn up because he wasn't good enough and he ran in a trial and finished last. And you're like, oh, well, that's that that's gone already then um so i know sometimes when i when i look at my anti-post bets i look for something that is a big price that does very often though i incorporate that i'm pretty confident it's going to turn up and i'm pretty confident in um the ability of this horse obviously for for flat racing it's a lot harder especially for for derbies and and for guineas for example because they've not had enough form to really get stuck into um and to work it all out so yeah i there's nothing that jumps out at me at massive prices um and i'll just be waiting till till we've had a few more or, or a few trials um derby trials and the guineas to be run so i can then really dive into this market and see what i can find i'm i'm looking forward to seeing Darain whenever he comes out beautifully bred dabawi and daremi uh qatar picked him up for a serious amount of money. Uh, we didn't see him as a two-year-old, but he's entered in the derby. Uh, he's as big as 40, he's as short as 33. He's, he's a horse. That family I absolutely adore from Watership Down Stud and the Lloyd Webbers. So I, I, that's that's a horse to just keep your eye out at a bigger price. I don't think, I'm not saying he's going to win, but I, I feel like when he, when he hits the track, he could be a superstar. Yeah, nice nice pedigree there, mate. We'll wrap that up for the Colts. And before we get into our fillies, though, we've got three more horses from our Turf Talk 12 to follow to give to you. They're coming from former jockey Paul Callahan, Twitter tips to Thomas Pearson, who's written an absolutely brilliant 75 strong horses to follow guide on Twitter. If you've not read it yet, give it a, give it a go. We'll make sure it gets a retweet from this account. And general racing podcast legend, the Mark Labette of horse racing, Adam Webb. Hello everyone, my name is Paul Callaghan and the horse that I'm most looking forward to once racing resumes is the William Haggis trained filly, born with pride. She's by Born to Sea out of a monsoon mare called Jammu. She was the winner of a mile filly's listed contest on her only start which was back on November the 2nd at Newmarket. 
Now, she only faced the six rivals on that occasion, but she made her own running after a furlong, staying on well to beat Peaceful, who's trained by Aidan O'Brien, with the John Gosden-trained filly run wild back in third. Now, the race was run on heavy ground, but the time was a little over eight seconds slower than standard, and Bournemouth Pride was the 20-1 to 1 outsider of the seven runners, indicating to me that that win was a bonus. Now, I was impressed, so the horse that I'm looking forward to is the William Haggis-trained filly, Bournemouth Pride. Picking one of my 75 to follow in particular was quite difficult, but the one that I'm the most excited for this year has got to be Galleon, who's trained by Marcus Tregoning and owned by Sheikh Hamdan Al Maktoum. He's a full brother to Swiss Spirit, and he's also a half brother to Swiss Diva amongst quite a few black type sprinting type performers. Uh, he's only had the three runs as a five year old, so there's a good chance that you're probably not going to see him all that much this year. Uh, he made his first start a couple of years ago for John Gosden. Um, I'm not sure what went wrong. It wasn't a great performance, but he's since moved to Marcus Tregoning for his other two runs. He made his debut for Tregoning uh, at Newmarket over seven furlongs, and it, it was a really promising run, particularly after 11 months off. Uh, he was given loads of weight away that day. Uh, he was given a stone to a horse called Nazif, who actually won the race. Uh, Nazif has went on to win her next two starts, uh, the latter bolted up in a handicap off a mark of 93, she's now rated 95, uh, and back in third and a good six lengths back was Lyndon B, who's been running quite well in Maidan over the winter, uh, he's now rated 87 as well. Um, on his third start, Mark uh, run to get a handicap mark um, was at Salisbury, he Travelled like an absolute dream and he pulled away really nicely. Um, horse that came second was called Posted of Richard Hannans that day. Uh, she was rated 82 at the time. It didn't look that great form. But then Posted actually won her next two starts in Handicap Company and then went on to run really well in a couple of uh, listed and group races. And she's now rated 97. So I think his mark of 87 is... It's very, very lenient. Uh, I think seven furlongs is going to be his absolute optimum. I wouldn't be surprised to see him drop back at all, given his pedigree. The dam seems to produce a lot of sprinting types, but I think he's more than capable of making his mark off a mark of 87. My horse to follow for the 2020 flat season is a horse trained by William Haggis in the shape of Domino Darling. She made a very taking debut at Doncaster at the back end of last season on atrocious ground where she beat a well-regarded filly of Roger Varian's, both of them by Golden Horn, with this being his first crop of three-year-olds. It would be very interesting to see how they progress. The way she won the race was really impressive. She showed a really likeable attitude on ground that I'm not convinced would see her to her very best. The form already has substance with the third, fifth and sixth all coming out and being subsequent winners. And everything about her suggests that a step up in trip is going to see her at her very best. She is currently prominent in the Oaks market. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw her in a trial race somewhere, maybe at Royal Ascot in the Ribblesdale. But she's got a very exciting feel to her going forward. She's a half-sister to Namibian, who's a Queen's Vars winner and a Golden Stakes winner. So stamina shouldn't be an issue for her. And for Golden Horn's first crop, I think she's a very exciting proposition. So, moving on to the three-year-old fillies this year and the 1,000 guineas betting as it stands, quadrilateral, a general three-to-one favourite ahead of love. Generally nines, tens for Mill Isle, 14s, Dye and Peaceful, 16s, Albania. 
looks likely to stay in Ireland and Cloak of Spirits, then bigger prices for the likes of Raffle Prize Boomer. So wonderful. And Summer Romance, I'll let you lead on this time, Jim. Quadrilateral is quite a big disparity in terms of her price from the rest of the field, but she was very, very good last season and is definitely the right favourite. Yeah, perfectly understandable. Um, she was very, very impressive on her last start in the Phillies mile. She rallied back um, against uh, powerful Breeze, who, who travelled into the race nicely. Um, I think you said before this podcast, Lewis, that you had no opinion on the 1,000 guineas. I think I'm slightly more excited about the 1,000 guineas than the 2,000 guineas. Um, oh, it's not that it's not that I'm not excited by it, Jim. It's not that I'm not excited by it, but I don't. I I I might make my mind up the day before. Yeah. Or uh, or an hour before. You know, it's a week in advance. I'm still not fully in someone's corner. So maybe you and Liam will be able to persuade me in this well, discussion. Hopefully. Well, we saw at Newbury on her second start when she won by nine lengths. She cleared away very very impressively um i, I, I genuinely uh, i'm i'm looking to be against her however there are very small chinks in her armor i can i can look at so far um i, I feel three to one slightly too short i quite like something bigger um and and the only horse well, well the horse at mine fingers come down to beat her on is love um which is the complete opposite of the opinions that I've had looking at Derby, looking for something flashy with one start that's looking to kick on again. Because Love had seven starts last season as a two-year-old and won three of them, including the Group 1 Moigler on Champions Weekend, beating a very, very solid field. Uh, we saw what De Gea did at uh, Ascot in the Albany. Um, Albinia went on to Longchamp in the Marcel Boussac and won and was fourth in the Breeders' Cup Phillies race. But I think the form of that race is very, very strong. Love got beat in the Phillies mile uh, and, and looked slightly one-paced. However, I feel like first time out, and, and I, I do see Love staying further, I think there could be a bit of a sprint on up front. Depend- I don't know who's exactly going to be running at this moment in time, but I think there'll be a serious amount of pace on. And if Love can keep up with that pace, I think she'll come home strongly. And I think I, I, my my inkling is a bit of stamina for this 1,000 guineas will be more suited to her because I, I see her going onto the Oaks or over a mile and two further on in the season. Interesting there, Jim. Interesting. So that's the one-two from the Phillies mile, is it? Uh, one, first and third. At, at the top of the first and third, sorry, yeah. Powerful Breezes were up once. She's out injured for the first part of the season, though. I'd, yeah. I'd be keen, keen to see her back out in the second half. I think she's a really, really tidy filly. What do you think about quadrilateral, Liam? I mean, the form of the Phillies mile, Jim, there thinks it's, it was a good race with Love, his fancy back in third. The of the two prices, who would you be going for? Um, I, I think I think that race 
the Phillies mile was very, very strong. I, I completely agree. I'm looking forward to seeing powerful breeze back out, hopefully at the end of the season or the back end of the season, which is now already, isn't it? The second half of the season. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I, I thought for Quadrilateral to actually pick powerful breeze up, I didn't think she would. I thought powerful breeze had gone and... Um, I thought that was more impressive from Quadrilateral than her previous runs. Um, Love, I totally understand the angle that this trip might be, she should be strong at the finish. Um, I don't think Quadrilateral is going to be not strong at the finish, but as you you said, um, Love could just be that little bit stronger and they could well go a good good pace here. I think it's the strongest piece of form. So if you were just looking for a bet, you could well say that you can get 12s, 10s, 11s for love each way. You're probably not going to be far away with that. Whereas with quadrilateral, you've probably got to be back in that uh, 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 as a win bet, possibly. Some people will still do that each way. And I'm not a fan of doing that short mm. price each way. But, you know, it, it's I'm not saying. a you know it's not it's not a bad idea in some cases um so i understand that the love angle for sure the the one i hope turns up here and um i'm probably a little bit more keen on is that dire is that how you would say it yeah i i call it de Gea. yeah I, you um, know the man united goalkeeper that's how uh, i that's, yeah. how, I, that's oh. how i pronounce it yeah dire is yeah do you know what liam I think I'd be siding with you at this stage. If at the prices, I think she's overpriced, but my worry would be, I know she was second in the Breeders' Cup. I'm just not sure that she's the strongest stayer at a mile. Would that be a worry for you? Or? Um, I think they've they've slowly stepped her up to the mile. They've got her, I think she ran over a mile in the Breeders' Cup. I wasn't too disappointed with with her finishing second. I think conditions should suit her. I think it's going to be quite dry. Um, or, you know, it was firm in for the Breeders' Cup race. I know it's slightly different how they work it out, um, but I believe it's it should be pretty firm here in in the UK. I've obviously, been I believe it's been the driest May on record, and that's not just because the pubs have been shut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's two from two at the course uh, she's just got everything everything right for her um, and she wasn't beaten far by love in the Moigle from I thought she came from a worse position than love um, and there's just enough extra value in Dyer to be similar sort of, of price to, to love if you work out how much they've beaten them by and expect a little bit bigger price because they've been beaten by them if you go along that, that route. Yeah, I don't I think Dyer could be I think she'll I think she'll stay the trip and I think she's got the experience under her belt. Um she's done the mile trip now and I just think everything's gonna suit her really well. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I fully respect Dyer in this. Um my only question mark is I don't think she'll get a mile. Uh, uh, father, that's uh, Sire, 30 breath. 
know, I know, but she wasn't she wasn't running past past her. I it was just yeah, other horses, I'd, I'd... other horses tiring, and she was going past them. I think that was the only reason why. I... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I really like her. I really like her, and but that 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 would be the worry. It wouldn't be that I don't think she doesn't stay a mile, but I would definitely be keener if the race was seven. Yeah, um, and breeding at Dam was uh, has produced seven furlong horses. On, on a bit, only two of them. But I, I just have question marks about staying on. And with horses as strong at the finish as Quadrilateral and Love, I feel like they're slightly untouchable at the top. That's interesting, then, mate. What do you make of Millisle, who was going away when she won the Cleveland Park? Uh, the Cleveland Park, the Cheveley Park. <laughs> I'll get tight for Ed. Uh, what do you make of her, mate? Because obviously all her form is. Is is over sprint trips, but the Chievely, the, the finish of the Chievely Park would truly make you a little bit more confident and less confident that she'd get a mile. I'm interested yeah. to see how she fares in this. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm confused with what to think of her. Um, <laughs> if you get what I know, that sounds a bit of a stupid answer, but. I was disappointed on the second start because I saw her win on debut at Belliestown. And I know they don't necessarily bring up the best of maidens, but I thought, Christ, she's got an engine. She drew away in the end over that five furlong sprint and then ran under a penalty the next time. Uh, I wasn't exactly blown away by that. And I thought at Salisbury, uh, I think I was at Haydock on that day. Uh, and I was watching the racing somewhere on the course. And I backed Melisle thinking she she must have a good job. And she just didn't never wanted to get past Dark Lady. Um, and I, I don't know. And then that's when I thought, I questioned the gameness and whether she actually wanted to win a race. And then she went and won the Chievely Park, beating a very, very good field. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know what to think. from. I think sprinting t- trips will be more her thing. Once again, when you've got horses in this that are staying so well, up to a mile, seven furlong, a mile and further. I think they might, they'll just paddle in the final furlong. That that hill at Newmarket's a killer. And we've seen it happen so many times. Horses don't get up there. I think Melisle over six, maybe seven might push. But I, I, that's where I see Melisle this season. What about you, Liam? I'd, I'd, she, for me, I, I think Melisle will be a horse. I'll be keeping a huge eye on during the race without having any money on just because she absolutely fascinates me do you see her as a potential winner i don't i think she's the she's the threat of the fillies as in she's the sprinter yes she's the sprinter trying the guineas trip um I, i just think they would have they would have had more idea whether she was going to be a um seven furlong miler and they would have tried it last season as a two-year-old um i'm really not a not a fan of horses going five six five six sort of thing and then going oh let's try a mile now it's like you're just trying that rather than we're confident that she gets the mile yeah it's a classic isn't it so you get horses yeah they're running running in the guineas because it's the guineas it's the guineas exactly because it suits the yep yeah so i i think she'll 
she'll be going well for quite a long way and then just fade out of it. She doesn't even have to fade. It could just be that the, the others are going to be uh, uh, strong in the finish and make it look like she's fading rather than they're actually just really strong in the finish and, and want the, the full mile and further. Um, so, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I think she'll she'll end up back over sprint trips um, after the Guineas. But I hope she runs well. Yeah, Jesse Harrington had, got, had a great crop of two-year-old fillies last season. Uh, of anything at a bigger prize, Liam, peaceful, cloak of spirits, would you like either of them? Um, not a massive fan. I wonder which, uh, I would imagine um, one of the Aidan O'Brien contingent may turn into be a pacemaker. I thought Love, when she ran um, in the Phillies mile, had to kind of make her own her own running or was prominent whilst the, the others were behind her. Something's going to be put in that race. That so wonderful. Go. Probably. So I think she's not won yet. She's still a maiden. Mm. Um, clearly has ability. You know, they've been trying some of the, the good races with So Wonderful in the race, set it up for love, see if we can beat quadrilateral. Um, so, yeah, but I don't, th- I, there's nothing of massive prices that I'm like, oh, that's an interesting one. I still can't believe four or five weeks ago, I got 20 to one on love. I thought that was a cracking price. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, mate. Well done. Well done for that. Uh, so if, if we were to wrap up the 1,000 guineas, Liam, it'd be Dyer for you. Yep. Dyer would be my selection in the 1,000 guineas. She definitely is overpriced at 14s. Definitely is overpriced. Uh, you could probably say the same. That love's overpriced still, Jim, at a general 9-1, to one, mate. Yeah, but I, st- I still see 12s with Bet365 and Coral. I still think they're decent prices. Um, I- I'm going to give you a try, Caster. Love quadrilateral diet. There you go. I've, I've completely solved the 1,000 guineas. I think they're the first three. I so do, do think I. they're the first three. And I, I, I might at this minute just still be siding with the Fav. Lewis, Who... siding with a Fav? Never. No, it wouldn't be like me, would it? It wouldn't be like me. But I think you can mark up a performance in the Phillies mile. I think you can. Yes, she's probably there probably isn't six points in the market between her and Love. I admit that, but I, I do think Quadrilateral probably is the likeliest winner of the race. She, she did look like she was beaten at one point coming into the final two furlongs. And it was just when she finally started to pick up, it was really impressive. The form of that race has so much substance. Bearing in mind that she was that she's a hell of a lot less experienced as well than than Love is, might be a little bit more room uh, for improvement there. Maybe not quite a betting proposition out free. It's a really really good race this year. I'm looking forward to the thousand guineas a lot more than I normally am this time. But I'd probably just about be with quadrilateral at this stage but look i am i'm still flexible i'm not pinning my colors to a mast yet and that's not like me at all either <laughs> uh, as we move on to the other phillies classics this is really this 
looks really tidy on paper as well. Quadrilateral heads are betting again here at a general sevens. Tens for two of the turf talk, 12, Domino, Darling and Bourne with Pride. They're going to come home, they're going to dead heat. Adam and Paul are going to high five and all the turf talk listeners have lots of money. Uh, Love is 14 to 1 and then 20s for Kay and Pepper and Passion. Uh, I guess I'll come to you first then, Jim, and, and I'll stick with Quadrilateral. Sevens for the Oaks, or threes for the Guineas. What's a better bet? Um, I think I'd rather have threes for the Guineas. I have question marks over stamina. Um, I, think, I think Quadrilateral will get a mile and four, I think, later on in the season. Uh, I think this might come slightly too soon. Um, I, I think whatever Quadrilateral does, it'll be a, she'll have a tough race in the Guineas. And I think, I, I mentioned Love will certainly want to step up in trip over further in time. I think Love showed last season that she was more consistent and she she was ready more often. She had seven starts. She was she, She's not a flashy profile. So Guineas, Guineas going to Oaks, I'd, I'd still favour Love once again over over in this. Uh, however, there's the turf talk horses to follow that are very, very flashy in this. And my money and my pen has landed on Born with Pride. Uh, Paul has talked about her already, how impressive she was uh, at Newmarket in that listed Montrose race. I I, I couldn't stop thinking when she's going to run next, when she's going to run next after that, because I, I just feel like it's almost like her dam had Raheen House, who was rated 115, who was 107 in Sharoa, who was 102. And I feel like to win on debut, beat 100-plus rated horses in Run Wild, uh, I think was something to prick your ears up for about. Um, she's tens for the Oaks. I've seen Mark. Um, I've, I've backed her for the Oaks. I'm looking forward to seeing her run. Uh, she's got an entry in the classic trial in a couple of weeks at Kempton. In fact, it might be it's either this week or next week at Kempton. I don't know the schedule properly off the top of my head yet. Uh, she's also in the Irish Oaks. Uh, this Wednesday, Jim. Is it this Wednesday? Well, this Wednesday, yeah. I think I saw a price around about her as well. She was about two to one. Um, which I think is a cracking price. Um, I think she could be a superstar, especially over this trip. She wins the Oaks trial and then she wins this race. Bold. We like that. We like a bold shout early doors. I'll go back to quadrilateral to you, Liam, and just ask the same question. Threes for the Guineas or sevens for the Oaks? I'd be more keen on the Guineas for quadrilateral at threes. It's just just even the fact that it's the next race rather than we don't know what she's going to do in that. If she then completely bombs out of that, she's probably not going to be... Yeah. The Oaks would be even more of a, a doubt, I know you could say, but you know she might need a lot further, and that's why she, she didn't run well in the Guineas. But I'd much prefer the, the threes for, for kind of like now rather than twelves for maybe an Oaks. Um, it's funny that... Um, 
Born Born with Pride was more fancied of the the two um, turf talk to follow horses there. I prefer Domino Darling of those two. Um, that uh, I think Adam highlighted that one. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, yeah, I, I thought they both didn't win by far. They both didn't. Um, they're both having their debuts. Obviously, Born with Pride was in a listed race. I thought Born with Pride kind of maybe got a bit of a, a bit of an easy lead, had a breather, and then kicked away again. Um, whereas Domino Darling, I thought, was given a really, really good ride by Andrea Rizzini, a really a very good introductory ride to racing for the, for the horse. And, um, Didn't Mark One ride Domino Darling? Yes. Okay, I have got the yes, jockey wrong. <laughs> yes, Sorry. no, uh, Andrea was beaten. Andrea, yeah. did, Andrea didn't give his a good ride. No, um, Tom Marcon, sorry, gave Domino Darling <laughs> a really good ride. <laughs> didn't didn't do a lot. Um, I thought it was a very it was a it was a neat ride as well as uh, there was no f- flailing arms from the jockey and it was very, it very much said to me we're looking after this horse, thinking about the future as well, and it managed to win. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, the Oaks for me is a race I'm terrible in, absolutely terrible. I never get it, or very rarely get it right. Um, uh, I think the even the confusion here is we've got from the front four in the betting two that have all the form, quadrilateral and love, two that don't. Born with pride and Domino Darling, but both have one run, yeah. one win each. You're mm. like, which one is the stronger form? And it's trying to work that out. Um, so for for me, whilst I'm happy to um, be be getting involved or looking to get involved in the Derby soon, this I need to see quite a few trials for for the Oaks before I'm even anywhere near who actually can win an Oaks. Yeah, I That's agree with the, the ride on uh, Mark One gave Domino Darling was hands and heels, very educate the horse before mm. getting serious. Uh, that's that's main notes that I've got noted down from that performance. And am I right? I think he's Golden Horn's first bunch of three-year-olds. Could could have a could yeah. have a good one on 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 their hands. Mm. And yeah, uh, nice and, and it's owned by Mr. Oppenheimer still. Yeah, which yeah. is even better. Yeah, yeah. The the difference I'd see between between the two of them is that. They were both massively impressive, and obviously, Born with Pride has come in a race with probably a lot more substance to it, given the, uh, like Jim mentioned, was it the horse in the horse in third? I think. Run, uh, run wasn't wild. far off. Run wild wasn't far off in the May Hill, you know, only two two and a half lengths behind Powerful Breeze in that. So there is there is good substance to that form. I felt Domino Darling looked like she knew what she was doing a hell of a lot more. Than born with pride. Lewis, uh, who do you mate, fancy? Who do you fancy in this race? The Oaks. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, if you were to push me at this stage, I'd go born with pride. But it's the Oaks. You know, Anna Perner had only finished eighth in a maiden. <laughs> going into this season. You know, it's it's a it's a race that is. 
usually as with the derby to be fair but i guess with the derby cost of the cost of the the talk and the column inches it gets it's a little bit easier to have a to have a long-term poke in it whereas with the guineas you know my strategy will be with like liams and I, I tend to wait and see what we throw up from the trials you know enable when enable was uh didn't she go off in the second colours in the cheshire oaks uh, I, I oh no, she's been beaten by Shortspeed, hadn't she before? Yeah. I knew, but sorry. Sure. Yeah. Well, she wasn't fat for the Cheshire Oaks, you know. And we see things like that. A lot can change in a in a in a few weeks. In this, I do like the two the two horses we've got to follow would be the two I'd have. Yeah, and I agree. Dead heat. And win it for the podcast. Uh, bigger price though. I like Cayenne Pepper at twenty to one. And I think, you know, she represents the Phillies mile form for Jesse Harrington. I think she's quite a tidy filly. And a step-up in trip, you can see her being the sort that maybe not quite a... I was going to say almost similar to a female Anthony Van Dyke from last year, <laughs> where, her, where she does have strong, strong, solid two-year-old form. And it's kind of forgotten about a little bit in favour of these sexy, you know, once race maiden winners and trial winners. Cayenne Pepper's form is bang up there. It's bang up there with what we got and 20 to 1. Uh, She's by Australia, so, you know, uh, uh, her sire's side suggests she'd stay. Uh, I'd I'd keep an eye out for her, mate. I wouldn't be surprised if she ran well in an Oaks. Yeah, I agree. I've praised the form of that Phillies mile. And I think KM Pepper kept on at the same pace and looked like a step up in trip would certainly suit. So I, I, I am with you there. I think 20, there's 25s around. I do think that's a decent each way price for a solid type in this. Um, ran very well in that group three, beat so wonderful easily. Um, yeah, and bre- bred for further. So I, I, I do think KM Pepper, you've made a very good case there at 25s. Shall we wrap that up for the Oaks boys? Uh, are we both sitting on the fence for now, Liam? Yeah, I'm going to. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to be a company man and I'm going to say Domino Darling and Bond with Pride Dead Heat. <laughs> I'm sticking with Paul Callan, uh, Bond with Pride all the way. We'll go with that. Before we get on to talking about some of the older horses, we're going to have the last batch of our friends provide us with their horses to follow for the Turf Talk 12. We've got racing photographer Francesca Altoft, the BBC's Matt Rennie and Twitter tipster Racing Willow. I'm Francesca Altoft, professional horse racing photographer and official photographer to Newbury, Windsor, Cheltenham and Huntingdon racecourses. My horse to follow for the 2020 flat season is Telecaster. Um, His performance at Windsor last year when he won by seemingly half of the track was one of the most impressive performances I've seen in my time working at Windsor and he obviously fulfilled that promise when winning the Dante at York. I think a lot of his other races last year were probably lost in the prelims by getting himself worked up. But when we saw him um, on the gallops at Huey Morrison's during a Newbury Media morning back in February, he looked a bigger, stronger horse. And vibes from the yard are that he's calmed down a lot and 
hopefully he can go on to bigger things this year. Hi guys, I hope you are well and looking forward to the start of the flat season. Hopefully we can get going as soon as possible. And my horse to follow for the year and to rule supreme over the older mile division is King of Change. Of course, he was a shock second in the 2000 guineas last year, but he proved that to be no fluke with two victories afterwards, including in the Group 1 Queen Elizabeth II stakes at Ascot on Champions Day. Now, that victory was made more impressive because despite hanging left, he went away at the finish to win decisively, and it was only his sixth career start as well. He beat a lot of the older milers who will be reopposing him this year. And once again, it's not to the golden generation as we've seen in the past. And with his pedigree being by far, he should only improve with age and racing. His trainer, Richard Hannon, has spoken and compared him to the likes of Camford Cliffs and Toronado, which is a pretty bullish statement to make. So I'll be disappointed if he cannot add another group one to his CV this term. Hello guys, I hope you're all doing well. This is Willow and I want to say a big thank you to both James and Lewis for putting this on their podcast. I'll cut the crap as I only have a minute. So my flat horse to follow for the season is going to be the Charlie Hills trained Dark Angel Colt Cardam. Currently best priced 20 to 1 but on average 14 to 1 and as short as 10 to 1 for the Diamond Jubilee at Royal Ascot. Tried at the highest level three times as a three-year-old. He came up short on all those occasions. This in my eyes wasn't for a lack of talent. The ground went against him on all those occasions as he likes proper good to firm ground. He was, an un he was unlucky in the Hackwood Stakes following the market leader, the Tin Man. That didn't get him anywhere, unfortunately, as the Tin Man never quickened that day. Now, Cardin was flying at the finish and you could deem him an unlucky loser. His seasonal highlight was a winning handicap company at Goodwood when they utilised his low handicap mark to win in dominant fashion. Another year older and another year wiser, I hope. And uh, this, this can hopefully be the year that makes him. Once again, thank you. And here's a shameless plug. Go check out Racing Willow on Twitter. So the older horses for 2020. We'll start with the sprinters. We've heard Willow there bring up Kadem, who he thinks is going to be a group one sprinter this season uh, I guess we know a lot about a lot of them the likes of Batash on his day is the best in the world surely still a lot of you know what Batash wins this season will be due to how much how often Batash turns up uh, like I said they've got Kadem in those in the same colours as well. Glass Slippers as well is a horse you're a big fan of, Jim, won the Abbey back end of last season. She could be a nice one for this season. Yeah, most certainly. Um, it's always satisfying seeing one that, you, that you've seen from the start that runs on and progresses as much as she did. And a, a victory in the Abbey was very, very good. Um, I, in, in the five furlong division, I'll always, I'll always look to tip the tash on. Sorry, Lewis. Um, but that's just that's just my view on that five furlong division. Um, it's interesting. Alfred Elfini's coming back. He's a horse that I am a fan of. Uh, he always ran consistently. Uh, he dead eated in the did he dead eat in the Nunthorpe or did he win the Nunthorpe on far side? He beat Mabs Cross, didn't he? Um, a couple uh, not last year, the year before. But he had an injury and. And he was out, and Brian Smart was talking about him the other day on Sky Sports Racing, saying that he he's come back fitter and better now, but uh, they're not going to rush him back straight to things and look for end-of-season targets with him mostly, ideally looking to 
win the Dunthorpe again. Um, so he's a horse in that division who I think come back if he's anything like he was before, he should be more competitive. That's very fair. Obviously, it's a lot of the familiar faces we see we see year in year out. Liam, are there any sprinters you think could be winning Group Ones this season? Could be winning Group Ones when he when he decides that he wants to. Batash is, I've got him so far clear of what he's yeah. left against this season. Um, it's obviously all down to when he wants to when he actually wants to turn up and and run. Um. Yeah, his his even his defeat last season at Ascot, everyone looked at it as a defeat. Actually, Blue Point just beat him. It wasn't, you know, everyone cramped the form like, oh, he's been beaten, he's been beaten. Look, he doesn't, you know, he's rubbish at Ascot. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. He's like, well, actually, he just got beat by a horse who loves Ascot. Yeah, Other yeah. Than that, he's, he's been second. Sorry, mate. Go on. Yeah, no, go on. Say so, yeah, it. I don't understand this. Batash doesn't perform, but Batash doesn't perform at Ascot. It's bollocks. It's bollocks. He was second to a, a proper Group One Ascot specialist, a, a genuine world-class sprinter. He wins the King Stand last year, you know, and it doesn't become a thing. And he's come bloody close to winning the King Stand. Ascot is no problem for him. It's no problem for him at all. He wins the King Stand this year. Yeah. No, no, no. King stand. If if Alali t- turns up Simon Crisford's, which over the last couple of days I've not been as confident because he once again on Sky Sports Racing he said uh, we're going to try and go down the six furlong route. I'm praying to God that uh, he goes down the six furlong route and he gets trounced because I'm on him for the <laughs> King stand because and I, I think he's got a very very good chance in the King stand. Um, he showed last season. He was full of speed, um, and uh, things just didn't go his way in the Breeders' Cup sprint. Wrote, put a line through that. He was good in the flying childers. Um, I think the morning was strong form. Uh, we've seen a Earthlight last season. He, he was very good. Arizona was in there. Golden Horde, who um, we've had mentioned as a turf talk horse to follow. Um, I, I think... His form's very, very good. And I, I, I do purely see him as a five-ground specialist. And hopefully, um, hopefully he'll be that. Because I, I think Batash is Batash. And I respect how good he is. And on his day, he can be the quickest horse. But if he's not on his day, I will be there sweeping up the piles that are underneath him. Because I, I'm looking to get him beat every time. It depends for me, Jim. I think I think a big pri- a big part of whether to back Batash is around price and opposition, and I don't think, especially over five furlongs, there looks to be l- ridiculously tons of opposition there this time round. Although I'd have said that in the Abbey, I'd have said that in the Abbey, and I'm sure that's exactly what your point is. Uh, of the six furlong brigade, Hello Yumzain's still in training. Sprint Cup winner beat Calix at Haydock. He should be up there as well this season uh, in terms of top six furlong horses, mate. Yeah, I agree. Um, see, people last season, I thought underappreciated him slightly. Um, and also there's a question mark, does he need soft ground to win? 
I know he I know he won at Haydock in the Sandy Lane on good ground. Uh, good to firm. However, I was there that day and Haydock. I, I, I don't I can't ever recall Haydock ever being good to firm, uh, even in the middle of the summer. So I, I do think the softer the ground, the better. Uh, he doesn't want it bottomless like like he did in the Champions Sprint, uh, which saw Don Juan triumphant win, which says it all really. Um, but I think Hello Uvesin will be at the top of that six furlong division, as well as uh, a horse who finished second in the Champions Sprint, one master. Um, I think she's. Normally we see the opposite, don't we, with with horses? We see them go up in trip with age. She seems to be coming down in trip with with age, and she she ran over six furlongs for the first time since her two year old and three year old career, and I didn't think that was an awful bad thing. Um, I, I think one master back down back down to six on heavy ground, soft ground. I think she's interesting. And Forever In My Dreams is a horse that I've always had a, a slight liking to. Uh, she's a horse that, in my opinion, wants better ground. Um, she was second in the Commonwealth Cup. She won uh, the listed race at Haydock and she was third in the champion sprint at Ascot. I, I, they're, they're my main ones that I'm looking at in the six furlong division this season. Anything else you'd like to mention amongst the sprinters, Liam? Um, I'd c- completely agree with what uh, was said about um, Hello Yumzane being um, underappreciated as to what he he did last year. Um, he, he did win the, the Sandy Lane. He also won the Sprint Cup at Haydock. I know it was they were both at Haydock, and he may just really appreciate Haydock. But he ran well at Ascot um, in the Commonwealth Cup. He was, he kind of, I don't know whether it was the owner or, or the trainer. Something didn't make him almost like attention worthy. Um, you know, it wasn't a, a Godolphin horse. It wasn't a, a Frankel progeny or anything like that. So people didn't really get behind Hello Yumzane. And I think on, I don't, I don't think anyone really liked the uh, Champions Day heavy going apart from maybe Don one triumphant um, on normal going anything better than that. Yeah. He's definitely one that, that will be fighting out the, the six furlong races um, behind that. I know uh, Willow, Willow racing is it on Twitter mm-hmm. highlighted that yes. cardem. I'm really not a fan of Cardem, Cardem, however you say it. I think he's, I don't think his Stewards Cup win was good enough to be a group one performance. I know he won it quite comfortably. I didn't rate it still saying, oh, okay, he's a, he's a definite group one animal. Um, no, I agree. I know he he also probably wants wants better going um, than what he'd faced after that. Yeah, I just I just don't think he's. I think he's the type that could keep dropping back when his handicap mark drops again into handicaps and running really well and people going oh he's back he's back and then suddenly against the Group One um, animals he just struggles a little bit to really get 
to get into it and I just think he might be right in that middle middle bracket. Yeah, I agree. I, I was a massive fan of Cardem uh, in his juvenile career and and then as a three-year-old and he won on debut, I was really impressed and I, I thought the world of him. But then, like you said, he then stepped up in the Commonwealth Cup and wasn't good enough. Um, and then I saw him as maybe he'll pick up a list in a group three or a or a handy big field handicap that will get in at top weight off. And that's exactly what he did the next time. Um, I am with the opinion of you lot that I, I do see him more as a... I, I think there's group threes to be picked up with him at Newbury and, yes. and places like that. But uh, chucked in at grade one level, I think he'll, he'll, he'll sink. I do think it is right for a good handicapper to improve, though. I do, I, I do think the, the opportunity is there. I, I know Kate Byron went off a really short price for the for the July Cup last season after winning the Wokingham. You know, maybe not a horse like Kate Byron. The horse I was going to put up for my horse to follow this season until I found out he now lives in Hong Kong has been, and has not been doing anything was Victory Day. And that and that was the reasoning they had behind that. I loved what he did at the Shergar Cup, which isn't a sentence you will ever hear me say again. Uh, but... I, I, I think a horse in that sort of mould, you know, who current who currently could be in the, you know, mid what mid, one hundreds, might be capable of picking up good six furlong races this season, you know, with natural improvement. Who that horse is, I don't have a scooby, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some good sprint races. They, they tend to be in general, but. Especially this season, I think that I think there's a bit of an open door there for a horse to come from left field and prove themselves one of the country's top sprinters that we wouldn't be thinking of right now. Speaking of divisions that no one likes, oh, this is harsh of me. And it, it, the Milers are back. Mustache, <laughs> yay! Leave Lord Glitter still around. Yeah, Yay. Swedwell's Swed uh, been retired. Uh, no. but, we but need we have, We need a tubo to stay over a mile and be good, please, have, for the sake we of the have, division. We have got a very, very nice horse in uh, Turtle Horse Follow. Thank you, Matt, for with King of Change. Um, I really love him. I think he could be the superstar in the division this season. Um, Matt talked about him being named in the ranks likes of Olympic Glory, Toronado, the best he's trained. Um, and I certainly couldn't rule that, that out on his form. He was second in the Guineas behind Magna Grecia. Uh, everyone questioned that with who was on the right side, what were going on. Um, and then he won on heavy ground uh, in the QE2 at the end of the season. He was kept for that race. Um, he was he's a, He's been a Big strapping horse. He's uh, he's grown into his frame now, and I, I think he'll dominate this division this year. Um, starting with the Queen Anne, I think is his main target at Ascot. Yeah, are, are there any older milers you're keen on, Liam? He's King of Change, the one to beat. I think he is, and I thought what Matt actually said was was spot on. He he mentioned that he's likely to face the same sort of rivals over and over again and he's he's beaten them and he he is uh, bar pinatubo who who else could be the danger over over the mile 
possibly, um, as I said, Pinatubo if he goes there. But if he doesn't, and they'd never face each other in any any races, King of Change can just continually beat the same horses over and over again. And he was he was very harshly overlooked when he finished second in the Guineas to then go off 11 to 4 for a listed race after finishing second in a group one I know he went off 66 to 1 so people were like well you know he, he's he's fluked it sort of thing wasn't a fluke wasn't a fluke he's clearly a very very good miler and the names that um Richard Hannon has, has quoted him with you know they obviously do think a, a a hell of a lot of him and he's also proven he's versatile ground wise yeah I've I think we're all with Matt there that King of Change probably is is the older miler to have on side this season. Though I guess when the generations do collide, the route they take with Pinatulo is going to be fascinating. And really, he's the one probably they should all be scared of rather than something from within their own generation improving past them. Although when it comes to mile handicaps, the only thing I know about flat racing is raising sand each way, every time. And that has just been my strategy on the flat for the past two years. It's the only thing I know, and it's the only thing I'm going to continue to know, upraising sand. Uh, middle distances. Francesca's put Telecaster up, who I guess is a bit of a similar type to Cardem, in that the season didn't quite end the way we'd like it. We'd like it to enable, though, the big name, Back again for another campaign. So is magical. Two wonderful fillies. And then you've got the four-year-old Colts, Japan and Logician. Liam, if if big Jeff Bezos comes to you with his Amazon billions and he says, you can you can buy me Japan or Logician, who would you go for? Uh, Japan. Yes. Yes. Because I, I, I put this poll on Twitter uh, about 10 days or so ago, and the results were pretty overwhelmingly. Well, maybe not quite overwhelmingly, but it was around 57 to 43 in favour of logician, which I found fascinating. But you're both Japan men then. We'll start with, uh, we'll, we'll start with you, Liam. Is he going to be the leading older middle distance horse this year? I think just going back to that poll, obviously people will look, they'll have a quick look at form and whatever, and they'll go, oh, Logician 5 from 5, Japan 4 from 7. Well, 5 from 5 is much better. I'll go for that one. Very crude. Um, he will need to prove it. Um, yeah, He won a St. Ledger last season, um, Logician. The horses behind, I'm not sure. Uh, he, he beats uh, her on Priestley. I'm not having. I'm not having that long sent ledger. Like you said, yeah, he, he beats her on Priestley. Yeah, that which isn't strong enough form to be. Okay, this 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 logician is very very good. Granted, logician beat him and and beat him relatively comfortable. Japan, though, has been there and done it. He's beaten Crystal Ocean. Um, Crystal Ocean, if you put Crystal Ocean in the level of form that Crystal Ocean has achieved compared to Sir Ron Priestley, for example, Crystal Ocean is yeah. and was head and shoulders above that. So 
on that poll, that's definitely why I would say Japan. Um, he at the beginning of the season, Japan, I wasn't that wasn't that fussed by him. Didn't think much of him. I think he he obviously he ran well in the derby, but he went off twenty to one. I think that demonstrates that a lot of people weren't massively keen on uh, an Aidan O'Brien horse in a derby going off twenty to one. You're like, nah. He's just like his little brother, mate. He's just like his little brother. Which one was his little brother? Mogul. Yes, yeah, true. Unsex. Yeah, sorry, yeah, exactly. Exactly like Mogul. Nobody will notice them until they start winning. Um, and, yeah, I'd come Ascot, I thought when he went off 6-4, to four, I, I took him on. I thought, nah, I'm not... Uh, it didn't... It didn't strike me as uh, I just didn't like the horse, if that makes sense. Uh, I I didn't know his true ability. I couldn't work out his true ability. And then from then on, he's just been he's been fantastic. And yeah, his defeat of Crystal Ocean was was brilliant. Uh, how he had to really battle there, um, and he ran okay in the the arc. You know, it's the arc is the arc. It's always a not always the best horse wins the race, and um, I think he he can certainly play a big part in a lot of the races this year over this mile and a half uh, sort of trip. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you said, Liam. I I I, I didn't like him on in in the Dante, and then I didn't like him going to the Derby, but I, ever since. Since the derby, I thought he's a, he's a seriously talented animal, and I, I fancied the ears off him for the Judmont, and he duly applies. Uh, and uh, as you've said with the arc, I just don't think the race went how Ryan would have wanted it to go. Um, but this season, looking forward, he's only had nine races in his two-year-old, three-year-old career. I can see him being vigorously campaigned. Um, across them um, obviously the arc will be the main target um, I don't quite know for the arc I'll just have a quick check uh, he is 16 to 1 for the arc which I don't think is that bad a price uh, and if is it Japan and Logician are the same price in the arc both 16 to 1 apiece and if you'd, you'd, you'd ask me now who would I rather be back in? It'd be Japan every day of the week. I completely agree there. Completely agree. Um, you can imagine that Japan will be campaigned with that arc very much in mind. Um, granted, logician maybe as well, but um, just the fact that it'll be very much their their main target. They'll win races along the way, and I think he'll he'll turn up, you know, to a lot of his races in. Peak condition, ready for the race, gonna be really hard to beat in whatever he runs in, really, over this middle distance. Yeah, and another horse in this division as well that Francesca's mentioned in her horse's horse to follow is Telecaster. Um, it, it didn't go the way the season wanted for Huey Morrison with that horse last season. He won the Dante, uh, beating two Darnot. Uh, the Derby came too soon, it sort of broke him a bit. Uh, they brought him back for the eclipse, and he, he just—you could tell he wasn't right. He lost his race in the parade ring. Um, similar, I compared 
uh, Telecaster to Young Rascal from a couple of years ago. Won the Chester Chester Vars, I think, and then went on to the Derby, and he just wasn't right. And I, th- I think the same as with Telecaster. I think if he's back stronger and the same this season, uh, I think he'll be very competitive in, in this division. And I think the one-mile one two Judmont International has got his name written all over it. I think I think he'd be interesting over that that distance and the, his fifties for the arc. I mean, I won't I won't put you off that either. No, I could I could I can see why Francesca's gone for Telecaster. I can, I can see the case. The the first time he runs this season, I'll just be watching him though. I'll yeah. just be watching him, and I think, I think that'd be very illustrative of the way the season's going to go. It's a bold call from Francesco. We love a bold call on Turf Talk, putting up Telecaster as the horse to follow for the season. Uh, but yeah, if, if he replicates his Dante form, look, he's he, he's around a 120 plus horse, so you wouldn't fully discount him at the minute. Uh, the Phillies magical and enable, brilliant to have them both back, Liam. Yeah, absolutely. To to keep them coming back, you know, how I don't know how old they are now. Are they six, are they seven, six and five, six and five. As uh, brilliant just to do. Keep coming back, um, and I hope more trainers do that with with their um, mayors. Just keep them racing. They're both very very talented. They'll both probably pick up one or two races each uh, if they don't race against each other. Um, I think I, I actually think this could be quite a strong division this year. This middle distance for older horses. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more, I'd probably say this is one of the divisions that I'm looking forward to watching the races and really watching the races, um, just to see who, who comes out on top and who are the ones that to, to follow going forward. I think the first few races, if we get a few races, um, between some of these will be very, um, informative going forward as to who is going to be the ones to, to, to keep with for the for the season. Yeah, going back into logician then, Liam, would you, would you campaign him primarily as a middle distance horse or would you be looking to campaign him as a cup horse for the season? As a cup horse. He, uh, I think he, he reminds me of Stradivarius and mm. both of them on, on the flat remind me of using a national hunt horse of, of Altior that the further and the the more in the racing they are the better they are um, they'll just keep finding a bit more keep finding a bit more and I think there's more holes in the cup division or cup uh, distance races than the middle distance races. I think these are going to be really hot this year. And yeah, he just, logician just looked to me as the one mile six was perfect for him. You could go further with him. Absolutely fine. I don't think he will be a, it'll be an issue for him. I wouldn't want to be dropping him back in trip now. That's interesting. Jim, would you, would you be agreeing with Liam on that? A, a cup campaign for logician costs. Personally, I think he's worth another try over, over uh, a mile and a half. That that would be the route I'd initially be going down, and cup and a cup campaign would be the plan B 
if he was, as Liam expects, found out as not quite being quick enough. What do you reckon, pal? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'd see him more go down the cup route for him. Um, he's got big galloping. Uh, so I, I, I feel like that would be the more <laughs> logical idea. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> He managed to go uh, almost two hours through the podcast and he had to do it, didn't he? Uh, Japan at 16 seems like a really nice bet for the arc at this stage. I'm glad you flagged that up, Jim. And he surprised me when he won the Judmont because his wins at Royal Ascot and uh, after when he won the Grand Prix de Paris said to me that that was a horse who wanted a mile and a half minimum. You know, and I was surprised he actually had the toe to win a group one over over 10 furlongs. And I guess it is the sort of unsexiness that leads to him being a little bit underrated. Uh, we've mentioned five horses so far. Is there anything else from this division that you think could be a threat at the top level this year, Jim? No, I think they're the main protagonists for this year, if I'm being honest. Anything from you, Liam? No, I would agree. The, the the five that we've mentioned and those towards the head of the market in the the Prince of Wales Stakes, for example, are the, are the ones that are going to hopefully make this middle middle distance division a good division to watch and, and really interesting races and, and a strong division. The likes of Sangarius, Hedman, either of them, potential group one winners this season? Hmm. No, not in my opinion. No, just simply no from me. Simply no. Yeah. And Anthony Van Dyke's back as well. He's meant to be running on Friday. Uh, good luck to Anthony. Uh, I, I want I want the Derby winner to be good. I want the Derby winner to be good. So I want Anthony Van Dyke to win races, uh, even if a fair few might have progressed past him now. But come on, AVD. Uh, as we move on to the stayers, the cup horses, of which Logician should be running and including, uh, inc- uh, sorry, uh, according to Liam and James, uh, obviously the two you'd you'd have as at the top of the table though would be Q Gardens and Stradivarius, and are they just clear, James? No. Um, no. I've. I, I'm probably going to be looking to take them two on this season. Now I know that there's a chink in the armour of Stradivarius, and I think Hugh Gardens is on and off. A horse that I quite like, he's technician, who, who won the Royal Oak last season at Longchamp, beating Call the Wind, uh, trained Martin by Martin Mead. Mead. Yeah, he was full of praise of this horse in everything that I've re- uh, read over the last couple of weeks. He won the pre-Chardonnay uh, Group 2 as well last season over a mile and seven. Um, he was fifth in the chest of ours behind Sir Jagany. And since then, they've stepped him up in trip. They even brought him down. He won over a mile and two in France as well. And I know that there seems to be a theme going that he's won all his races in France. Um, but I think this season, um, two mile, I think that will really suit him. Um He's won on heavy ground over a mile and seven. I have no question marks about him staying the distance. Uh, but I, I, I feel like this season could be 
his his this is like his derby season of uh, uh, further distances. He was only sixth in the ledger, mate. He was. He was only sixth in the ledger. But he, so he kicked, where does he, he make up that form from? On on the ground purely. Uh, I do think softer ground is better for him, um, and that that's where I see him advancing. He's also big. Martin Mead said he's grown into his frame, which I'm looking forward to. I know most trainers say that, but um, another season on his back. Stays, stay, he'll stay a bit stronger this season. And, and I, I feel like, I don't know what price he is. I think he's about 12, 12 14s for uh, the Ascot Gold Cup. I'll just have a quick look. 14s. Oh, you uh, want to get angry people putting the word Ascot in there, mate. No. <laughs> um, All the boring. Because you you can rule out DXB and cross counter, can't you? They're, but Jim, Jim, if can, go on. Can, can I? I know you're trying to make a case, mate. But surely, if you just contradicted yourself by saying he's 12-14s for the Gold Cup, but then saying you think he's a soft ground horse, look up the weather. Ask it's in three weeks. I know. I know. You could. You could. You, who knows? It's English weather, though, isn't it? It could change at any time. We saw on the first day of Ascot last season, there was an absolute downpour. Mm, I'd, would you see him more as a sort of host to win the Stayers race on Champions Day, though? That would yeah. be a more realistic target. Yeah, you'd bring him through the cup races, wouldn't you, of course, because you'd be stupid not to go for the possible million pound. Champions Day, yeah, of course. two miles, would be the main target, in my opinion. That's interesting. That's an interesting shout. A bit of a left field one, and I like that. It's it's not an immediate one because if if he is better on soft ground, which all his form suggests he is, he could be picking up those those late season good staying races like he did in France last year. Uh, Liam, though, I've, I I must admit I, I find it hard to see anything other than Kew Gardens and Stradivarius being the leading stayer again this year. What about you, mate? I would happen have to agree there. I think Stradivarius last season, uh, when he got beat by Kew Gardens, I almost think that caught a lot of people by surprise, including um, Frankie. And if that had been over two three, I I don't see anything beating Stradivarius in a Gold Cup over two three. I think he wants as far as far can go. I think he just continually run and. Um, every time he gets slightly further than two mile, he's going to be really, really hard to beat. I just felt he almost, they almost weren't ready for Kew Gardens. I know they should have been, but um, I think back over when he, when they do clash again over two, I just think they'll be going a little bit earlier. Um, and I don't think, I think Kew Gardens almost had speed over him over two mile than outstayed him. Um, yeah, the gold, for the Gold Cup, I would not be touching anything other than Stradivarius. Um, outside of those two, yeah, I get the angle with Technician, but he probably does want softer ground. And um, granted, towards the end of the season, it may, they may well start coming right for him. Uh, and yeah, the, the, like the third and fourth in the betting for the Gold Cup, cross counter and DXB, they're horses that can place 
maybe finish fourth, third, fourth, fifth sort of thing. But they're not the level of Stradivarius in Kew, Kew Gardens. Um, so although it's boring, those front two, I I think for the Gold Cup, I actually think the six to four that you can get about Stradivarius is actually still a good price. Yeah, it certainly won't be that on the day, will it? No, not at all. I don't, I, I don't think so. I, I think also the obviously the the Frankie factor will will come into effect then, and people will know Stradivarius, so he'll just start shortening anyway. But I think on the day people he'll go off much shorter than that. And um, yeah, I I really like Stradivarius for this division, and if they get it right over the two mile, the 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 minimum two mile, he's I could see him going in all season unbeaten, which is a shout. But where where would logician rank amongst amongst those two then, Liam? Uh, not as good as them two. I would have him cross really? counter DXB. That sort of I think these two are are class class class. Um, granted, logician still has to. Logician still has to prove that he's anywhere near this level. At the moment, I would put him at cross counter DXB. Obviously, being unbeaten, it's hard to totally know their full extent of their ability. They've won all their races. They, you know, they haven't been in a race where they've been. Well, they've had something to really, really race against. Um, these two may bring him on further. Um, but at the at this current stage, I would only have him at cross counter DXB level. Fascinating. There's a, there's a lot of people who really think Logician is going to be a top class, you know, archetype this season. So I like the boldness of Liam. Liam saying that he's just about DXB's level so far. I like that. We like a bold shout. Uh, I'd be with Liam though in terms of. Yeah, Stradivarius and Kew Gardens are the are the two to beat, and it's a little bit of a more straightforward division. The most, do we know if search for a song still in training? Um, that's what I was just thinking. It, it is in the market for the Ascot Gold Cup, so I'm presuming. Yeah, that's interesting because obviously she she won the Irish Ledger last season, got a lot of weight off everyone. Obviously, being a three year old filly as well, and it was a very very well, it was a strange race, wasn't it? Chris yeah, Hayes it was the only jockey really awake. Interesting to see what she can do this year, though, if she's if she's still in training with Dermot Weld. Because, again, her best performance is one with so many question marks surrounding it that she could that it's almost impossible to put a reasonable mark on what her ability is. If if you take that form literally, she. You know she's she should be competitive in the very top staying races next season, but it is just how literally you take that form. Uh, but at the minute, I'd be keen to stay with Stradivarius as the number one stayer, and Kew Gardens breathing down his neck as the second best. Before we go, boys, we've just got the matter of our three horses to follow to add to our Turf Talk Twelve. The final three, the big three. And we'll let Liam, as the guest, take the reins. Which horse are you going to put up for the Turf Talk 12, Liam? My horse is going to be Raymond Tusk. Um, 
uh, if you'd asked me this in November, December, I would have been saying Raymond Tusk, but I'd have said, you know, I, I believe he's going to be aimed at the Ebor and he'll have two, three runs beforehand to get him ready sort of thing. But obviously with the disjointed season, I think we'll, he may only have the one run before the Ebor. Um, if you watch his run through in the Ebor last year, it was he was so unlucky. He was so unlucky. Um, came down the near side when turning into the straight. Just everything just stopped in front of him. Eventually got through, finished really strongly. And I know that that Middleham Park Racing, and I believe Mr. Sohi is also involved, have suggested that the Ebor is their target um, this year. And obviously it's very much worth winning. Um, he's the sort of horse that I think they'll aim him for that race and then really push on if they hopefully win the, the Ebor. Um, he's almost, he's very similar to, uh, almost like raising sand in that he's, uh, um, very good in handicaps, not quite good enough in graded races, but I'm hoping there's a little bit more to come. I'm hoping there's a little bit more to come. Um, you can completely forget his last run. They tried running him on the all weather and they tried running him from the front in the conditions race. That's not Raymond Tusk. You know, I was watching him knowing that I wanted him for this season on the turf. As soon as he went to the front, I'm like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. But he was forced to make the running. Um, his, his current mark is 111, which is the exact same as last year for the Ebor. That'll be the target. I did post about this a, f- a few weeks ago and he was 50s at, at that time. He's now only 28s, I believe, for the Ebor. Um, but I expect to see him in the Gold Cup probably beforehand. I want him to run well without doing anything spectacular. Um, so I know a horse to follow. Sometimes people like horses that go and win two, three, four races. I don't think there's going to be time for that that amount of races this season anyway. Um, but his his big one will hopefully be in two runs time. We like that. Best price, 28 to 1 there, as Liam said. Raymond Tusk for the Ebo. Get on board. It's a really, really, really good shout. We like one bold one bold call for one race as well. I'll tell you what, mate. You're looking like a genius if you're picking the winner of the Ebo nine months in advance. That's a top effort, that. Uh, Jim thinks he's found the winner of the ledger, though. <laughs> I certainly think I do. And it is the three-year-old trained by William Haggis in Convict. Um He's a brother to Hamish, who's fancied for this year's E-Bar to take on Liam. Fancy. Uh, he's right, he ran very green on, on debut uh, at Newbury. And then the next time at York, well fancied that day, saddle slipped, everything went wrong for him. Uh, and then he finally got his win, maiden win under his belt at Red Car, over seven. Um, he then went on to York over a mile. He got beat by a Rafe Beckett horse. If Mark Wands was, we've been full of praise for him about his ride on Domino Darling, but if he was to ride that again, I'm, I'm sure he would. Uh, and then he was devastating over a mile and two at Newmarket later on in the season. I, I've just got that feeling that he's progressed with every run. I think the further he goes, the better he'll get. Uh, in that mile and two race, he beat a 95 rated horse by four lengths. Uh, he's up to reign a 96. He's going to have to progress even more to become a St. Ledger horse 
Or although even if we look at the form like we mentioned of last year's St. Ledger, um maybe to be a top, top, top animal to be winning that race. Uh he's entered in the derby. Uh he's twenty eights for that race. He's thirty threes for the St. Ledger, uh, with one bookmaker's got one market open with him. Uh, but if 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 that target goes doesn't go right, Ledger Derby top class because I, I I even fancy him to run in the Hampton Court in the end uh, over a mile and two at Royal Ascot. I think I think that's that won't be beyond him. Um, but if all that goes wrong, the Melrose at York like his brother Hamish did last season, uh, I think that that would be the ideal target. And then the the ball next year if 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 he's not going to live up to the reputation that I think he will do. Do you know his mark off the top of your head, Jim? 96. Well, no, I'm, I'm 96? Yeah. That's fair. So he could start in a handicap because he's the new, the Golden Gates handicap as well at Royal Ascot, which oh. I, 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 assume is almost, I assume is almost a replacement for the London Gold Cup because it's, right. it's the same conditions. Just at um, Alaska, and the London Gold Cup usually produces some really good horses. What's the race called again? It's it's now the it's the Golden Gates handicap. I think it's the it's the new three year old handicap over a mile and two. Uh, they've added into this year's Royal Alaska. Three year old over a mile and yeah, on the Thursday. Yeah, that's his target. Boom. Um, even better. Don't even have to win the Hampton Court yet. You can win that. <laughs> um. I, I just really, really like him. I think the further he goes, the better he'll get. Um, and I, I, I just, I was looking through his form the other day, and it, it was just getting me really, really excited to see him. And I think 33s for the St. Ledger isn't a bad shout. And I know I must be absolutely ridiculous with the Guineas and the Derby and Royal Ascot to come up to be looking at the St. Ledger. However, uh, I think this horse has got something like uh, one of them races in him. Whether whether or not he hasn't, but I, I think he'll be bull horse to follow this season. And to hopefully end on a high, I'm gonna put up another three-year-old colt. This one, like Convict, is in the Derby. A best price fifties. I'm not quite sure whether he's gonna be a Derby type. To be honest, I don't have him in my head. But it's it's Sir Michael Stout's Satono Japan who won on debut at Kempton at a, pri- uh, at a price of 14 to 1. Certainly uh, not the most well-fancied in the betting, but he's absolutely regally bred. A son of deep impact out of a dual US grade one winner uh, called Dabawi Heights. He was placed in the Lauva when she was trained in England as well. Uh, he was a £1.37 million purchase uh, for Satono Horse Company, who, are a, who have a big ownership consortium I think in Japan they've had tons of winners over there they had a north one in the arc a couple of seasons ago as well but they're branching out into Europe and this is the one they've got with Sir Michael Stout this season now Sir Michael Stout having a horse been first time out as a two year old as well isn't something that you particularly call an attribute of the trainer he only had five last season this fellow was the last of them at Kempton in October another one was highest ground who Jim mentioned actually a uh, talking about the derby earlier on. And the thing I liked about Satono Japan was that it would have been so easy for him to have been an unlucky loser this day. Uh, horse, you know, th- there were positions where Jason Watson was on board where you'd have 
like the horse to have kind of tried to make a move and a horse in front is just slowing in front of him and coming down and he's just he's had to wait and bide his time and once he gets in the final furlong he goes from fifth to first in about a, in a you know in a very very short space of time number of strides really looks a a big long term Sir Michael Stout prospect really he's in the derby might be a bit early for him but I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being like a, the type that would be winning great voltages and that's sort of the late the second half of the season good three year old racers uh, he's damn as well he's a half brother to half sister sorry to make believe who obviously won the French derby a couple of seasons ago and he's now outstood himself so the pedigree is in is absolutely regal and everything about the horse's frame his debut the fact that he's stout suggests he's only going to get better as a uh, as a three-year-old and then maybe as a four-year-old i know it's a bit of a cliche that sir michael stout horses are train on but the stats back that up time form have him as the number one trainer uh in terms of percentages horses improving from two to three so even though it's a bit of a it's a bit of a spiel people wheel out, there is substance to it. It's not you know it's not a random one like you know you need a two and a half mile to win the national. That's bollocks. This this fact isn't this isn't random speculation. Stout is better than anyone at getting his horses to improve with age. I just get the feeling that he's he's a little bit of a low key horse. He wasn't well fancied on his debut despite coming from such a big, uh, an impressive family. And I really liked what he did. If, you, if you've not seen it, go and give it a watch. Because th- there are times, if you just keep your eye on him, you think, I could have gone there, but he can't because something comes across him. Or he could have gone there and he can't because he's in front slowing down. And once Watson gets him out into the clear, he puts the race to bed really, really comfortably with much more authority than the winning distance suggests. Was I really right, nice man? types of time right, Japan. I hope not, mate. He's done even better to win a few riders than Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, but yeah uh, it's Satone Old Japan for me he's in the derby not sure whether I'd actually be keen on him for that but as a longer term prospect as a three year old he's a really really nice type uh, for Sir Michael Stout and his Japanese ownership group yeah I I agree that's the 12th that's the 12th yeah I I was only just agreeing with what you were going to say that's nice. That's nice of you to do that for once. As a, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we've got our turf top twelve, so they'll be out on Twitter along with all the links of the twitters of everyone who's joined in and helped us out with that. All all the friends of the podcast. Uh, huge thanks to everyone for getting involved as well, and we hope that's a tidy little list for you all to put into your trackers and keep on side this season. Thanks as always to rating the races. And for Liam to coming back onto the pod, it's always a pleasure having you here, mate. Thank you very much. It was uh, always great to get back discussing horse racing again and very much looking forward to Monday, just seeing a, a race in the UK. Like Anything will do, anything, any race will do, but to, to how we're going to start as well with some of the big races coming up very, very quickly is going to really be like, wow, we're back. We're back. Let's go. I couldn't put it better myself. Hey, and Lewis, before we, end, before we end, sorry, pointless side chat. I just had a tracker on my phone. Remember Pondus from last season? I, I was hotly on his tail, wasn't I? Yes, I was. Pondus was on my shortlist 
for horses to put up, Jim, but I don't think he'll be winning. I think he's a nice group three horse, nothing more. He has been entered on the 12th of June at the Curragh at 7.45, and he's now trained by Joseph O'Brien. <laughs> what colours is he in? Still in the is same he in Aussie colours? colours? Still in the same uh, colours. Uh, uh, that's interesting. Can well, we I'm glad we got 13, that in, Watson. 13 horses to follow. There you go. <laughs> I'm glad we got that in. And uh, just, thanks just, to everyone. Just jumping Sorry, in. Sorry, Liam. Is Ponder still in the same colours? Or has uh, Mr. Lloyd Williams got him now? I, I've that's, still got... that, that, that's what I was implying, Liam. I'd, I'd have thought with being oh, Joseph O'Brien, everything about him suggests Cup horse, Melbourne I've got, Cup. I've still got orange uh, in my art, uh, racing TV tracker. I've still got orange cap, pink with red epilepsy and white sleeves, which is what he raced in before. So okay. does it say Lloyd Williams loans in? Um, I can I, I can delve. Delve deeper. Uh, owner, he doesn't have an owner next to his name, which means that he's more than likely changed hands. Melbourne yeah. Cup then for Bondus, we reckon. <laughs> yeah. oh, there you go. There's another horse to follow. <laughs> oh, we almost got there. Thanks to everyone for listening uh, to Turf Talk. As I say, thanks to Liam for joining us. Thanks to Racing the Racers for the support. Thanks to all of our friends of the pod who've, who've put a horse up for us. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Racing for coming back. Get in there. We'll see you all at Newcastle on Monday. See you later. Thank you. Bye-bye.